0: Welcome to episode 7 of My Movies Better. Episode 2 of Hell Month. Yeah! Our theme this week is aliens. I am Russell. I am Kevin. Hey. Hey guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think we just pretty much said everything I needed to say in the intro. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we got some good fucking oh, movies. Yeah. It's probably the best lineup we've ever done. Yeah. And we have a lot of ranting mm. about some mm-hmm. stuff for you to look forward to. We spend a good, probably 30 minutes just talking about the Star Wars franchise exactly. for some reason. Uh, anyways, here is, yet again, another fresh-ass intro from your boy, Kevin Harden.
1: Prep for dust-off. We're going to need immediate evac. Roger. On our
2: way. I say we take off, nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way
1: to be sure. Let's do it. Yo, oh. well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. <clears throat> now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. Are you finished? That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. What the fuck are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I am the Martian ambassador. We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace.
2: Welcome, Earthling, to My Movies Better.
1: Mr. Chambers, don't get on that ship. rest of the book, to serve men, it's, it's a cookbook. Hey, Sweden. Not Swedish, Macdonald. Eddie, you okay? You daddy, and you okay, you okay, you love me daddy, and you okay, you okay, you okay, and you okay, you okay, you okay, and you okay, all
2: right. So, welcome back to this episode. This is episode seven. Yeah, we get up there. Yeah, wow. And this episode's about aliens, but f- before we get into it, we're gonna talk about some movies here, uh, just some movie related stuff. Um, I watched a shitload of movies this week, uh, just for no other reason than I than I had the time to do so, mm-hmm. and that I really, really, really like alien horror films of all kinds. So like, not only did I watch the movies we were, you know, we watched for tonight, I also watched uh, Alien. Prometheus, Alien, Aliens, mm-hmm. um, The Thing from Another World, the original movie that The Thing was... Ba- well, that the, the same story, basically, 1951 version of The Thing. Um, oh, jeez, there's some more, too. But I, I watched a bunch of Alien flicks and uh, also watched this movie that I really want to tell you guys about because I haven't even finished it yet, actually. I was watching it while Russ was coming here, but I'm already suggesting it because i cannot wait to finish the last half hour of it. it is this movie called insomnia it is a movie that was remade by christopher nolan but it's not the remake with Al pacino this is the original film i've seen the remake it's great it's fine but the original version is a little bit different it's a swedish norwegian film um and it starts stellen skarsgård who you probably know his uh the lineage of the skarsgård family one of them is i believe it now yeah yeah um, I believe that's his uncle or maybe his father. I don't know. Well, um,
0: I know that <clears throat> Bill Scarsard's dad is super famous. So right. I think that's, that's him. Yeah. yeah.
2: Stellan. Song. Yeah. So he it basically, it's a per- police procedural that goes totally the opposite way you would ever think a police procedural would go. And that's the only way I can say it without giving up the movie. But it's fantastic. And I'm really enjoying it. And I'm going to finish it after we finish Recording tonight, but I just want to shout it out there. That's my pick of the movie you should go check out this week. And the way that I'm watching this movie, uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Filmstruck um, and Nicholas Parker, who was talking on the group about Filmstruck. And I also wanted to know whether or not it was a good source For watching movies. Mm -hmm. And so I signed up for the free trial. And that was the first movie that I I watched on it. Insomnia. And I'm already very, very happy with it. So thank you, Nicholas, for reminding me about that. And I hope you're enjoying it too. Uh, Out there in Medford or Malden or wherever you live. Where Are you talking about Parker? Yeah, where does Parker live? I'm pretty sure he's an Everett kid. Everett, right. I'm so sorry that I said those other shitty towns. (laughs) That aren't Everett. (laughs) But, yeah. Uh,
0: we, we're mostly just shitty towns around
2: here. All right. The Thing is a 1982 American science fiction horror film directed by John Carpenter, written by Bill Lancaster, starring Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, T.K. Carter, Keith David, and lots of other pretty much no-name actors who did a great job.
0: It stars Kurt Russell.
2: Yeah, it really just... Well, and Wilford Brimley. I'll give him credit there. But, really, it stars Kurt
0: Russell. It's a Kurt Russell movie.
2: Yes. Uh, so yeah, why don't you guys sit back, relax, and, uh, take in this wonderful trailer that I actually made up specially for you for The Thing.
1: Doc, I'm just letting you know we're, we're taking a chance. Quit the griping, McCready.
2: You really want to save those crazy Swedes, No huh? Norwegians.
1: Anybody there? Hey, Sweden! I'm oh, Swedish. Mac the Norwegian. I don't know what the hell's in there, it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. Bennings, go get Childs. What is this? What's, the What's going on? on? Hey, what, oh, up, what is yeah. it? I don't know. Wait. Childs. Mac wants the flamethrower. Mac
2: wants the what? That's what he said. Now move!
1: You see, what we're talking about here is an organism that imitates other life forms, and it imitates them perfectly. When this thing attacked our dogs, it tried to digest them, absorb them. Come in here and lock them up. I have to talk to you. I'm tired of talking Fix. I just want to get up to my shack and get drunk. Mac, it's important. What is it? Below outside. Nobody gets in and out of here. Nobody! You guys think stick, am huh? Crazy. Well, that's fine. Most of you don't know what's going on around here. Why would it burn him?
2: Flair! Maybe he tried to burn it. Maybe he burned himself before
1: it could get to him.
0: And clock was human, huh? makes you
1: a murderer, don't it? This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. Yeah, fuck you, too! You the only one who made it? Not the only one. Did you kill it? Where were you, Charles? Thought well, I saw Blair not after not lost in this world. I know I'm human
2: so this week we gave you guys a whole brand new uh, way to beat us at this we took away your stipulation and you guys picked a really fucking good movie called The Thing as you just heard from the trailer
0: the original not the remake
2: yes 1982 John Carpenter oh my god I love this fucking movie it's really 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 good and I have a lot of to say about
0: it. So this let's dive in. First movie picked because of the stipulation yeah. that we have both seen a billion times. Yeah. So. so it'll be it's really weird because a lot of it when I watched it over for the first time it's like a lot of stuff it's weird because with the podcast uh when we watch movies for this rather than movies for ourselves Watching it for us leads us to analyze every frame and question things and oh yeah. And look at things we didn't look at before and ask ourselves why they did things that we wouldn't have asked ourselves before. Correct. And it's really weird watching a movie I've watched so many times with those on. Like yeah. uh we have a they live bonus episode coming and it was so weird to watch that over again with like with the sun, pun intended with the sunglasses yeah. off. Yeah. Try uh,
2: trying to find things that are are bad in a movie that you love, that you don't want to find anything yeah. bad about. It's really weird. I will say I found very little, other than things that I just don't personally like, like uh, the dogs.
0: Yeah, I don't like the violence yeah, of animals. Yeah,
2: but. um Even though, obviously, like we always mention, none of these animals were ever harmed. These directors use, obviously, um, like puppets. Like I've mentioned and...
0: multiple times, the monkey in a Gary was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Some movies... <laughs> Some movies, a
2: real no, animal is at, le- is at least... I don't know if that monkey was hurt, but he was at least shocked and surprised. Yeah,
0: he definitely was thrown. A <laughs> yeah. monkey was thrown. He was
2: physically <laughs> abused by Klaus Kinski. Ich bin Other than that, there's not a whole lot I find wrong with this movie. I feel like this movie flows perfectly for the type of movie it is, or for any type of movie, for that matter, because it starts you off at... A pretty much a, a I want, I'm maybe not breakneck pace, but it starts you off right in the middle of something and you have no fucking clue what's going on. A yeah. helicopter chasing a dog and they're shooting at the dog. And you're like, what the hell is that? I mean, obviously, we knew what it was yeah, now. Yeah, I knew at that point. But... I'm sure most of you listeners already know the plot. But the movie just doesn't let up on you it brings you straight to fucking Antarctica and sticks you in the rooms with these guys. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it does so much with so little. And I think that that is what's so, so great about it. Obviously, as I've mentioned a billion times, I love Alien, and I love Alien for the same reason as I love The Thing. Because they took they took a style of movie that didn't exist at the time, and they gave birth to it. And I think Aliens started it down that road. And the thing, especially with the special effects, just took it to a totally new level. Right. Um, the, the monster effects, uh, the practical monster effects, I should say, in this movie are not only fantastic. They are also disgusting yeah. and, <laughs> and grotesque and very, very stomach churning. Here's Even something today. I love.
0: Uh, since the podcast became a thing, I've done a lot of like uh, looking into what people do. Yeah. For movies. Yeah. Uh, mainly because, uh, A, we do this podcast. B, trying to get a, an album going. Yep. C, I started a screenplay. Yep. Um, and and so I wanted to get into like you know learning how a lot of things were done and how a lot of things are made. And one of my favorite things that I've, I've learned that I was not aware of until like two years ago, it's somebody's job because mics don't pick up everything. It's somebody's job when somebody's walking down an alleyway, they, they set up a bunch of microphones, they set up this whole thing, they're watching the movie, and they have these shoes on like a table, and they're walking the yep. shoes on the table for the sound effects. This movie, I wouldn't have thought of that, because uh, this is the first time I've seen it since I've discovered that that was a thing, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time any type of autopsy was happening. Oh my goodness. Yep. Somebody's job was to make those noise. like To to, like go in and like just put on some gloves and like put their hands in a bunch of... Yeah. And then when I... Because I didn't really think of it before, but that actually grossed me out more this time around. (laughs) So There was somebody actually putting their hands in something gross and making those... Just like exactly. Ugh, noises. Well,
2: when I was looking at what the uh, the guy who did all the special effects, when I was looking at what he used, like the uh, different materials that they oh, were listing, the actual... yeah, one of them was food. He used yeah, quite a bit of food product in not only in sound but also in the look of these creatures. Right. Um. This, I. It's very hard for me. I. I. The other thing I love about this film is that I think this film is a puzzle. Mm-hmm. There's only there's only few films that fall into this where you can go back through it and watch it over and over again and find new different things inside of it. The Shining is a great example of this. The way the hotel Huber moves. Kubrick has like a bunch of hidden right stories going. Yeah, on. well, he also he does stuff like I. This is my favorite. The way to explain it best is my favorite thing he does in the movie. So in the scene in The Shining where uh, the little boy, Danny, stands up and he's wearing the, the, um, the Apollo 11 shirt or whatever. Yeah. The rug, he literally he switched the camera shot around. So, like, the first shot where you see Danny, mm-hmm. he was shooting from one side of the hallway. And then because the hallway was, like, basically identical on both sides, he just brought the camera to the other side and reset the same scene. So, if you're watching the ground, all of a sudden, the carpet is flipped that the pattern on the carpet is going a different way. Like, it was little stuff like that. He had such an attention to making sure that... And so you can, like I was saying, you can watch through the film and try to figure out what's going on. And The Thing does this amazingly because, basically, again, most of you guys have probably already seen this, but this is about an alien parasite that uh, mimics a host and it, it literally rewrites their DNA and tries to mimic and cre- recreate itself to become a perfect duplicate of yeah. this
0: and, and one thing they don't even talk about, that the science behind all of this, is the idea that it can consume its memories and stuff like that, so it's, yes. it knows what's going on, and sometimes that leads to, like, characters genuinely being concerned. Right. Like, they could be a thing. Right. And well, I wanna, vice versa, like, so, the thing could be freaking out a little bit, like, as, with its human memories, like, what right, is happening? right.
2: Well, so that, I, I'll... That, there's one particular scene in the movie that really sticks out to me that has to do with that. I'm going to get to that in one sec, because basically the thing comes in on this dog we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. this husky, and these Norwegian guys are chasing it. The, uh, they come to some Americans, which are you know our guys. The uh, Americans cannot understand them. There's a, one of them is shot by one of the guys while he's trying to shoot the dog. Eventually, the, this guy is shot and killed. They have no idea what's going on. And so, of of course, they let the dog just be among them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this leads to the dog revealing later that it is a thing, trying to assimilate the other dogs, them killing part of it, but not all of it, and thinking it's all over. Now, before this, there is a scene where you see the dog like, sneaking, like, kind of walking around in the hallways of this Antarctic base, mm-hmm. and it steps into a room, and there's a silhouette of someone in the room, but you can't tell which character it is. Yeah. I, I think it is Norris. Now, Norris is the character who eventually will, his stomach opens up, right. that guy, okay? The reason I want to bring him up now is because, we, on what you were saying earlier, when he has a heart attack in that scene, mm-hmm. I cannot ever i've not ever been able to tell whether or not that is the thing acting or that it gets so deep inside of you that it literally creates someone who doesn't know they're the thing which would be even creepier that That's it could what literally I, I yeah it my own could brain. mimic someone down that far where it could literally be like living dormant inside of you and you don't even fucking know you're the thing and in the blood test scene he tests uh the I forget his name now the guy with the headphones the other pilot right and he doesn't reveal that he's the thing until he does the test mm-hmm. so perhaps that guy didn't even fucking know that he, he was he the definitely thing.
0: definitely acted a lot like he was genuinely even when nobody's looking at him he seems really concerned right. so that's where I, mm-hmm. I always thought the thing becomes this person after it consumes it and come and turns into him has all their memories that if it has all its memories it has to have some kind of empathy for the the person that's pretending to be right in some level or it just thinks it is that or it just uh, knows how the organism is threatened
2: it just know or it just knows how to to manipulate because of the you know because of the memories it is found or whatever it knows it could fake an actual heart attack because of this you know the molecular structure of the person or whatever right um because also in in and around the blood test scene, every single human in that scene, as they're being tested, out. is it doesn't know. Right. It uh, was
0: Kurt Russell's idea. They're or like McNear uh, McReady, McReady, McReady. Yeah, uh, McReady. He is doing it to himself. He has his own blood, and he he. It's his idea, but he puts blood in a thing. He cuts his own thumb, puts blood in the thing, and then goes to uh, test it, and. He looks like he's sweating. Like he's really right. scared that he might become one of those things. And I think that's part of the brain stuff that I was talking about.
2: Yep, yep. And I because I've also, I love when, I know a lot of people hate this, but I love the idea that the film, I think, was originally made, or the original idea behind it was that you were not supposed to ever be able to find out. Um, because everybody, whenever I, I jokingly will be like, oh, MacReady was the thing, people will be like, you're stupid. What about the blood test scene? And I'm like, you're stupid. The thing already showed it could trick people by faking a heart attack. Couldn't it just put someone else's blood in there or switch the blood or do something? It probably could have, you know, and if we're going on this theory that nobody knew, well, that's why MacReady was so terrified and had the, or also... Even Maybe he did know he was the thing, and that's why he was keeping everybody away from him with the dynamite, and that's why this movie is so great, because it is a movie about masculinity and paranoia.
0: Yeah, it really gets in your head.
2: There's one woman in this movie.
0: When was there a woman in the movie?
2: There's one. Think about it. There's only one, and not even in the movie, there's one female who does something in this movie. An actress, actor, obviously, but a female actor who does something in this movie. It is the voice of the chess computer at the very beginning. Wow. That is the only... I was going to say, yeah. Yep, that's the only female in this movie. McCready plays a game of chess, thinks he's about to win, and then the chess computer beats him again, so he pours his drink into it (laughs) to (laughs) kill it, I guess, to win. The rest of the movie, like you mentioned has no women in it whatsoever it's a bunch of men and they're degrading ideas of masculinity and who and and macready i think encompasses that the best because of his take charge attitude you as a viewer at least me as a viewer has always been like oh yeah he should be in charge watching it now with like you were saying earlier this more analytical eye i was like holy shit the fact that i just accept Just like all they do, that McCready is in charge is based on the fact that he's acting more masculine than all of them. He's just acting like he's not afraid, so they're all like, "Well, yeah, he's in charge." Right. And that is really interesting because the whole fight between all of them is all based on this idea that, like, obviously any one of them at any point in time could be this creature, right. And and yet none of them are willing to actually, once in the film, get close to each other. Mm -hmm. And and obviously, it's not just due to the creature. It's due to the fact that they're all guys. They won't break down their walls. The thing that defeats the thing Mm -hmm. is knowing. And I'm going to jump out of this movie real quick and into Alien Covenant. Alien Covenant does this, and we'll talk about it later at the end, where the way that she knows which android she's talking to is based on a little piece of conversation that was shared between two people in confidence Mm -hmm. none of the guys in this movie have that they're all isolating each other right macready lives off in the tower everybody else yeah they're hanging out together but they're all like doing different things no one's speaking they're not opening up to each other the only way you beat the thing is by tricking the thing yeah it has memories and stuff but if you were getting closer to someone you'd be able to figure it out Right. You know,
0: I can say one of the nitpicks that I had the logic behind all of it. Why did they keep separating themselves? They didn't just keep separating themselves. They didn't go, all right, five of us are going off in five different directions. It was, you two go that way, you two go that way. Okay, well, let's say uh, I'm the thing and you're not. And uh, McCready just told us, can you guys run a Domino's and get pepperoni pizza? Right. Car ride in? I just, I just consume you. Now you're a thing. Then we get back, and now we're both things. But guess what? You already passed a blood test. Well, here's the thing so, about that. And they, they separate after the blood test. They, right, They right. do stuff. It's like, what do you, why?
2: Because they have to.
0: I they think... don't. They could all, all the tasks that need to be done, none of them, not a single task needed to be done simultaneously with another. Right. Which I... means they could have gone and done each thing together.
2: Well, here's. Here's the thing, okay, so You've said thing a lot on that actually so in that after that scene, so they basically as things things have been degrading right mm-hmm. and and uh eventually um Blair played by Dr. Blair played by Wilfred Brimley, who is basically the one who has told them all about this. He is also. He increasingly becomes withdrawn. He doesn't want to be around anybody. Eventually, he destroys all the equipment because he's already realized, but none of them realize until the very end. They're not. They can't make it out of here. No, that's they have not an option.
0: Three thousand hours. If Twenty-seven. Not, yep. Twenty-seven thousand hours. If they don't all die. <laughs> and like, yeah, all this the shit gets
2: out to humanity.
0: it'll take over the world right. like the whole and, world would have been things he, right
2: and he already knows that there's no way they can win the mm-hmm. only way they can win is not letting anyone find them and hopefully no one ever finds the thing so Blair obviously then gets captured by the rest of the guys and they, they lock him up mm-hmm. right and so as people are getting picked off here and there obviously then you have the blood test scene they kill another thing Right, you have the Norris scene. Mm-hmm. You lose two. You lose two or three more people there. Yeah. By the end of it, you have a group of I think four. Right, right. That's the one scene I'll, I'll kinda, i kind of I kind of understand only because of how where it sits in the movie. Because the, the, the action is so Macready, Nalls, and one of the other guys. Three of the guys who are left leave, and they leave Keith David behind.
0: They didn't. It wasn't intentional. He, he disappeared on them, and they don't know where he went.
2: And no, 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 he, that's Blair you're talking about. But what I'm saying, before that, mm-hmm. the three of them go out to go see Blair, right, where they've captured him at the shack, and they leave Keith David behind. Keith
0: David is, is the sidekick the, from They Live. Yes,
2: he's the guy who's the, the other last survivor. About. Yeah, they leave him behind at the compound, right? right? Then they go find out that Blair has escaped, and they don't know where Blair is, Right. That's, that continuity doesn't make sense to me because it was like, well, if you guys all need to stick together, why'd you leave one person behind when there's a chance there's a still a thing around? By the time you get back, Keith David could be the thing. They find out Blair's gone. They look back and somebody, Keith David possibly,
1: mm-hmm.
2: is leaving, is running out and then the generator gets shut down. That was the part that I understand that nippy because it's like, why wouldn't you... Bring this guy with you. What are you protecting back here?
0: Well, in the final scene, he definitely addresses, like, where did you go? And he's just like, I got lost in the storm.
2: So why did you guys separate in the first place? This is a really interesting thing at this point that Carpenter did with his camera. Mm -hmm. So there's two scenes right here. Now, I don't know. I did talk about this on the group, but I don't know if he did this on purpose. Mm -hmm. This is a continuity error or what. But in this movie, there is a big clothing continuity not just like when the long johns whatever. not just that shit though right i'm talking about watch what everyone is wearing at all times because pretty much everybody wears the same thing except for when they become the thing so like um the first guy the bald red-headed dude right, right? the thing you see it he ripped out of the clothes and then it shows him being like eaten by it and he's he's got his pants on still the next time you see him he's put on a different jacket Right? That's the first sign of it. Later on, you see uh, McCready's ripped clothes that were stowed and you see they find the long johns, like you said, of ripped clothes. When Blair comes back as the thing and attacks Jerry or whatever his name is at the end, he's now not wearing his yellow shirt that he's been wearing the whole time. He's just wearing his suspenders and his flannel shirt. So his costume has changed. And that is a way that you can see who is and who isn't the thing in the movie. So this continuity, right, it, it, it goes right up into this end scene, right? So Keith David's standing by the window looking out, and the camera, or McCready is walking up to him, and you hear footsteps while the camera's coming up to Keith David. Keith David sort of, like, starts to fall asleep, and then McCready says, hey, and he looks up at him. He didn't notice he was there. That's really important. The next time that you see that area of the compound, the camera comes sweeping through from another hallway. It goes down. It shows the door to the generator room, Mm -hmm. which is about to be shut off. And it floats up to that same doorway that McCready walked through. And now the door is open, right? And Keith David's gone. More important than that, when Keith David was standing there before, there was a navy blue jacket, a gray jacket, or two gray jackets and a green jacket. Now, there is no navy blue jacket. There is two green jackets and one tan jacket in the scene, and the boots down below are in a different, they've been rearranged. Again, like I prefaced all of this with, that could have just been a continuity error. However, at the end of the movie, if you watch it on Blu-ray, you can see that Keith David is wearing a navy blue coat. So, he could or he could not be the thing. And that could be the thing that's signifying he is. Because the thing, I would have had to rip through him and destroyed his coat, and then it grabbed that navy blue coat, which is why he's wearing a dark coat at the end of the film. And I love, I would would think that that's something John Carpenter would do. He's that detailed of a director. So, I love that about the movie. I just wanted to share that with you guys.
0: I will say, if they ever decide to make a sequel... I would hope that it would be somebody, you know, like the guy who did uh, the Evil Dead remake, yeah, or the It remake. Uh, somebody with that kind of art house talent eye Definitely. for horror film and appreciation yep. for the original. But if they ever do do a trailer, Kurt Russell sitting there with the thing, the not not the yeah. thing, but the <laughs> the little recorder, where he's saying, "If anybody finds this, I'm hiding this, uh, right, right, or whatever." They play that. They could literally just have a team of people with, like, flashlights at nighttime going through, like, this Alaskan place. They just stumbled upon it. And then you could have that tape playing through the entire trailer in the background. That would be sick. It would be dope.
1: That
0: I know that's be... completely a random thought, right. but that's... that's uh, I, would, I would fuck with that. Right. Yeah. This is a movie that I wouldn't be mad at a sequel.
2: It depends on how they
0: did it. It's but... about the large... screen the, yeah. the, the big scheme of things. that This is a, a global threat. Right. <laughs> it's not...
2: Right, right, and I, but I think that that's also, like, that's what's so great about the ending, because, like, we didn't really... We should really get into that, because we didn't talk a lot about how great Kurt Russell is in this movie, but he's yeah. fantastic. This I think, maybe other than another Carpenter movie, Escape from New York, this is my favorite performance of his. I'm not saying it's his best, but it's my favorite. I think he's great in this movie. His character is is not your typical action hero, even though he's almost playing an action hero. Right. And I love that about him. He kind of seems like a normal guy who's pretend, who has to be the action hero because he's the only one who has the balls to stand up or something. The end of this movie, I love
0: analyzing. It's, it's very open-ended and ambiguous. right? And imagine if they did do a sequel, if I were to make the sequel, and they do find this place, I would want them to find Keith David completely frozen, and I would want them to find Kurt Russell's body Ripped open, like it, something crawled out of him.
2: Right, but wouldn't that mean that Keith David's the thing?
0: No, Keith David's just dead. Well, because that's I'm saying the that thing would mean about, Kurt Russell, right? McCready was a thing,
2: right? Well, because the basic, basically, the way this this movie ends with a boom, there is. They the, the last three survivors go through and they blow. They, they literally, I think Kurt Russell says, "Let's warm this place up." Yeah. They're they literally, through,
0: we're not getting out of here. No, alive. they all no. decided they were dead. Right,
2: so they start throwing Molotovs and fucking blowing the place up. The whole compound's on fire. Kurt Russell in the end is the only one to survive. Uh, the Wilfred Brimley thing comes back and fucking destroys both of the other two guys who are with him and and tries to kill Russell, Kurt Russell, but. He, he fucking gets away just the last second, blows up the whole place. And then, like we have mentioned before, Keith David comes sauntering up. And he's like, where the hell were you? And he's like, I got lost in the storm. And uh, I don't know. And they start sitting down. And it's like they realize for the first time the thing they should have known, the whole or the thing that would have helped them, rather, the whole rest of the movie, that their, un, their distrust for each other was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Even though I do believe the movie is trying to tell you Keith David is the thing. Keith David himself disagrees. The way he played the character in this scene, according to his own words, was that he was not. And he didn't think that he was supposed to be from what he saw in this movie or whatever. And the whole, there's a whole thing about breath at the end here where you can tell who it is because they don't breathe. And you see that in the, the very first guy who's outside. He's not breathing, and other people are. And in this scene, Kurt Russell is breathing like he's smoking a fucking blunt or something. Like, there's lots of breath coming out of him. There's almost none coming from Keith David. However, at 1.41, for any of you who care to view, if you want to run back through the thing, Keith David breathes, and you see air come out of his mouth. I don't know what any of that is supposed to mean I don't care because I think the ending is great with us arguing about who is what and what is this. And if that even matters, Right. they could both be The Thing. Who yeah. knows? That's why they're both so calm. Because they know that they're just going to be frozen and then they're going to be unleashed on humanity. And I kind of like that there's not a sequel, maybe for that one reason. Because then maybe the sequel would have just been the Earth being destroyed by The Thing. Yeah. So, there it is. The Thing.
0: Great movie.
1: Yeah,
2: great movie. Moving on. Moving on.
0: (laughs) You see, what we're talking about here is an organism that imitates other life forms,
1: and it imitates them perfectly. When this thing attacked our dogs, it tried to digest them, absorb them, and in the process, shape its own cells to imitate them. This, for instance, that's not dog. Imitation. We got to it before it had time to finish.
0: Finish what? Finish imitating these dogs. Um so let's talk about some movie news. Alright. Uh, Disney on. put out a poster. Uh, for Aladdin live action. Yes. I like pretty much all they've been doing. All this live action stuff is great to me. I
2: was fully prepared to shit all over this, but I, I kept my mouth... I did say WTF at first. I was like, what? And then I was like, oh wait, I think I remember reading something about how they were doing this. I knew they were making Lion King as well. Um, And then I read I read a little bit more about it. This, this movie is interesting me now. First of all, it's directed by Guy Ritchie mm-hmm. uh, of Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch fame. And uh, stars Will Smith, obviously, as a genie. And a completely Middle Eastern, Arabic, or at least close to it cast. It is not whitewashed at all from the cast. And I was like, thank fucking God. Now I think I'm actually going to go see that. I never saw Beauty and the Beast, um, the live action. Obviously. That one,
0: I, that one was uh, aside from the character uh, of the main villains,
2: Gaston. Like oh, Gaston, um, his best friend, LeFou.
0: Yeah, they were just like he's gay. Yeah. But aside from that, uh, it's almost verbatim like the same movie. That to me is kind of silly. Yeah. Like Mulan's not gonna have any songs, and there's no dragon. See, I'm down for that fucking movie. That sounds great. Yeah. And did you see the trailer for Dumbo? I did not. Oh, wow. They're really... Yeah, they have a trailer for Dumbo, Holy and it shit. looks awesome. Um, they do that weird thing that a lot of trailers do now where it's really dramatic, and there's like a somber right, right. female cover. It's real ghostly. Right, right. Uh, but it looks really, They're really probably good. They're probably
2: going to take out those racist crows, I bet, though. Uh, I would hope so. Or maybe they won't. Maybe it'll just be that stupid, but I hope eh, they're not. <laughs>
0: let's put it this way. Disney's they...
2: gone himself, and he was clearly a... Well, yeah, that's true. Pretty racist Yeah, he was pretty bad. But they also, I mean, like I said, with this film, it seems like they're on the right track. You know, I was fully expecting to have a, I don't know if any of you guys out there have ever seen Gods of Egypt, Um, but have a Gods of Egypt moment where you're like, oh, this is a movie about Egypt where the whole cast is English people and Black Panther, Yep. who is, I believe, from the United States. I think he's ancestrally African, but he's... I believe he's an, a, an American. Chadwick Boseman? Yeah. Yeah, I think
0: he's an American. Yeah. Too. I yeah. could be wrong. Yeah, I'm, so pretty, sure I'm, pretty, yeah, I'm pretty
2: sure he's from like, Mississippi or something. But, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But it is kind of stupid when you have a movie about, like, oh, hey, look, it's Osiris, and he's played by the guy who plays Jamie Lannister. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wow, gods <laughs> of Egypt, eh? No. So I'm glad that Aladdin is not going that route. Right. And, you know, very hard. They're trying very hard. And I mean, obviously, Will Smith's character, the genie, is the one character that doesn't have to be anything, because he's not, he's a genie. Yeah, he's a genie. So, so good on them for picking somebody who, and actually, I think, I think Will Smith will do a bang-up job as the genie. I mean, that's some tough shoes to fill right there, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago when, uh, when we talked about Jumanji in Robin Williams, but I think he'll do a fine job. I think that the character, him with the character makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's like what my brain tells me. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. You can just channel some fresh prints. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, what else do we have to talk about?
2: Uh, uh, well, there is some. I mean, a lot of people in the group seem to be really into Halloween. I have not seen it yet. Um, I don't know if it's available to watch other than if you're a critic
0: right now. We had a, uh, at our Salem movie theater, there was a uh, special screening for it.
2: Oh, at the one, the Salem yeah,
0: Theater? Yeah, and, and Mike Myers was walking around, oh, like, sick. Uh, scaring people. How did I miss that? And uh, um, the guy from Blumhouse was uh-huh. there, the, the main Blumhouse guy. I don't know if he's the producer or whatever. Okay. But, um, and, like, somebody who helped write was there. I was hoping, like, you know, to hear that Danny McBride or somebody was there, because they were involved in the right, reboot right. of this. Um, did you but, say Danny
2: McBride? The star of Alien
0: Covenant? Yeah! Oh wow! (laughs) I like that he's showing his love for horror movies. I like that he's
2: yeah he's turning also turning trying to turn serious actor and he's pretty damn good at it. So he was awesome. I have not that yeah I have not seen this newest Halloween, but I am pumped for it. I Mm -hmm. will say right now, I'm a huge fan of the original halloween trilogy uh trilogy series hmm. um well really the trilogy the first three were my favorites of that uh i did actually really like h2o though i saw that in theaters when it came out but uh was that it was like 2000 i think oh god but um i didn't i didn't really like uh rebooting uh and i i, I thought the rob zombie films are kind of like i was like eh You know, they were okay. I'm not gonna Oh, right, right. I'm not gonna trash them as films, but like for me, I wanted I'm down to see more Laurie. And I know Laurie was in that movie, but I mean I'm down to see Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie. Right. And so I was really psyched when I first saw this trailer. I was like, fuck yes, she's back. And I really I really hope that this is the end, but I don't think it is, because I think if this movie does good, it means we're gonna have another, you know, a a sequel series of halloween movies perhaps
0: i haven't seen it but my feeling on it is that this was all right you guys really wanted a sequel uh the first movie was awesome and every movie since has not been that great right so let's just pretend they didn't exist and jamie lee curtis hasn't been killed three or four times right um i think the whole idea of this was to be like let's give it a proper Finale. Yes. And I really think that... not an H2O treatment or a Rob Zombie Mm reboot treatment. Let's give it a a send-off. Right. A proper send-off, iconic character. If they ever do another one, I feel like they would reboot it like 15 years from now with a whole new cast and stuff like that. I would hope that they would leave it alone at this point.
2: Me too, especially because this film is getting high reviews from critics. Mm -hmm. And movies like this don't tend to get the highest reviews from critics because... Critics don't like horror movies, usually. Right.
0: but consider that this is a Blumhouse film. Yeah, uh, they're very decent at making mm. um, mm-hmm. horror movies and stuff. But the the problem with them is everything's a cash grab. Right. You have spinoffs of spinoffs. It with them. They well, Annabelle, mm-hmm. right? And then yeah. you have like the Nun,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: those are spinoffs of the Conjuring series. Yes. And there's going to be a spinoff of the, the demon origin, I yes. think, from the part two of The Conjuring, mm-hmm. the, the English one. I mean, that's a little much. And so I feel like they could easily jump into, oh, wow, look how great this did. Let's cash wrap the shit out of it.
2: Yeah. And that's how I
0: feel, too. And um, It's I... not officially in theaters yet, but I will see it the day it comes out. And there's a lot of movies that are having, like, special screenings coming up. I actually have to show you. I forget the name of it, but Chloe, uh, the girl from Let Me In. Mm-hmm. And oh, plays... yeah,
2: Mortez or yeah. Moretz or whatever. Chloe Muretz. Grace Moretz or something, yeah.
0: Um that movie I'm gonna, I'm going to find it real quick. It's a it's a one-word movie. Um that be it starts with an S. I saw the I trailer today either. and it looks yeah. fucking crazy. Uh She doesn't she's got a, she's made quite a few horror movies. Holy shit. She was in a lot of horror movies. <laughs> She was in. She was Carrie from the remake, right? Which was uh, pretty silly. That was an awful remake. If you want to talk about bad horror remakes, that's right. one of those.
2: Well, Suspiria. Suspiria. Yes. Suspiria oh my god! I can't awesome. believe and I can there's be, that. There's going to be like a
0: special screening here. It might even be tomorrow. Yeah,
2: I'm. I'm interested in that, but I, I am also cautious because, I mean, that's Dario Argento, and that's maybe his. It's definitely his most famous film. and It might be his best film, and. Yeah. I'm always wary. It's like, again, they, they, they remade, well, made a prequel to, but it re, the original idea was to remake the thing. And and basically what happened is that the people, the producers and directors went to the, the executives and were like, we can't remake this film. It will get shit on. If we try to remake a film that is this beloved, people mm. will hate it. We can't do, you can't recast Kurt Russell yeah. so... So I, it's def, I'm it's definitely wary when you're taking a movie that's that beloved that, like, it's going to be hard to live up to it, you know? It's a lot, there's a lot there. It's like, what, are you going to remake Citizen Kane today? Like, that's, <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's like, okay, that's a little um, bit much. Um, you're well, really reaching. I will say. But I'm still going to, I'm still going to check it out, because I've heard good things.
0: I will say this, uh, the original got a 92 and what, the 1977? Mm-hmm. And the new one only has a seventy-five. Yeah, but it looks it looks like an art house film Hold compared on. to like old school seventies cinema. Mm. And I like—I'm, you know, Hereditary. Right. Art house horror is great for me, but the thing is that some of them aren't that great to me. Like, the right. witch was pretty boring. Right.
2: Yeah, I—I I enjoyed the witch. Um, it's a good movie. I don't hate on it.
0: I just think it was for a horror movie. It was a lot of dragged out. Oh yeah. I also, suspense. I give it
2: a, I give it a prize for one of the most historically accurate movies of all time.
0: Do you know how much research went into, like, learning how people actually talked? Yeah. So dude, they did, I, yeah, they did a lot. I it. They had to have subtitles
2: mm-hmm. when they were speaking English. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. pretty crazy. I, I think that that film definitely also, it, it's funny because, like, like I mentioned, I think, already before a couple times, I watched Alien uh, again last night, and what I find so interesting about that film is how scary it isn't for most of it most of it isn't frightening especially knowing when the beats come like i've watched the movie so many times i know exactly when the alien's about to do the jump scare mm-hmm. but the jump scares still got me like because of how well made that movie was because of how all around you in while you're whether walking through the ships are these things that look like they could be the aliens. so it's like imagine being in the theater or watching it for the first time where you don't know when it's going to come and every moment you're thinking that could be it that could be it and even at the end of the movie when he's like in the or well it is in the the like ship it's like he appears out of the machinery of the ship like you didn't even notice that it was sitting right there right in front of you and
0: that's the uh, Darth Vader effect if you watch the original right Star Wars movies where Darth Vader always silhouetted with background. Right. He was more famous as a silhouette than he was an right. actual character. And
2: when, and, and when this, the character is, when you don't know when it's going to come, mm-hmm. that's where the fear comes from. You yeah. know, not knowing what's about to happen to the character is where the fear comes from. And that, those movies do it really well. I think that's what The Witch did really well. Maybe obviously I don't think it's good as good as Alien did, at least maybe maybe for the time there's a difference there, but like the way that the witch used darkness was brilliant. Because it was a world of darkness. You know, the only light you have is the sun and a candle, so right. so everything is darkness and I loved that aspect of it because it really there were parts of it where it put me on edge because I was like, what is about to happen? What's gonna come out of that? And then nothing comes out of that. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's not scary because you were scared, just because you don't get a jump scare, you yeah. know, or something. <gasps> Made it. Ha. I was so afraid I wasn't gonna make this flight. So I sent uh, David here
1: yeah. to come and pick up my boarding pass. But, um, but um, now David has to go. Thank you. Bye. I am Corby McDonald's. And
0: uh, this is Lilo Dallas
1: Multipass. Multipass.
0: Lila and Multipass. She knows it's multipass. Lilu Dallas, my wife. We're newlywed. Alright, my pick for Kevin is a 2016 sci-fi drama slash mystery film. Uh, it got a 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. It is available for free on Hulu. Uh, and if you do not have Hulu it is uh, available for rent or to own on Amazon Prime as is pretty much every movie we ever watched uh it is written by Eric Heiserer you got Heiserer me. <laughs> Heiserer I think yeah. it's Eric Heiserer Heiserer um and directed by Dennis Villeneuve Villeneuve Villeneuve, Villeneuve. I think it's Vill
2: oh, I looked I saw it last night now it's escaping me it's like Villeneuve it's something like Villeneuve, way easier. Villeneuve.
0: It's, it's Dennis, uh, and it is starring... Denis. What? Denis. It, it has he's, an S at the end of it. He's French. I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so je, je suis Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Um, anyways, it stars Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. And without further ado, here's the trailer for Arrival. And Forrest Whitaker.
1: <laughs> there are days that define your story beyond your life. <laughs> like the day they
0: arrived. Objects measure at least... I'm Colonel G.T. Weber from Army Intelligence. Pack your bags.
1: You're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him when you're in the show. That's what they call him, the UFO. Who's being carted off in the medevac? Not everyone is wired for what you're about to
2: do. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. Every
0: 18 hours, a door opens up. That's where we go in. It's time. Yeah,
2: that
1: has happened. What happens now? They arrived. Need to see me. Dr. Banks? Are you insane? Now that's a proper introduction. More objects have landed around the world. This is one of twelve. I'm never gonna be able to speak their words. Got two days. Figure something out. I am human. It's their language. We need to make sure that they understand the difference between a weapon and a tool. Language is messy, and sometimes one can be both.
2: Are you dreaming in their language? It's possible. They're prodding us to fight among ourselves.
1: This is just a way to force us to work together for once.
2: It's more complicated. than
1: that. How is it more complicated? Russia
2: just executed one of their own to keep their secret. We got 21 hours before we start global war. So
1: how do we clarify their intentions? I go back in. Why does this feel worse?
2: Alright, so that was the trailer for Arrival. And this is an interesting take on the alien genre, I guess I would say. It's more in the... um, realm of contact than it is the realm of alien or the thing yeah. uh but that's okay because this movie really isn't i don't think this movie is actually about aliens it's a movie that's using aliens uh as a backdrop for another theme which is really communication and language and i thought that was really cool amy adams is really
0: fucking good in this movie. Amy Adams is really fucking good in literally everything she's ever yeah. done, including, like, just being on The Office randomly for a little while oh, as the right. hot intern yep. or whatever. You're right. The lady that came in to try to sell them purses. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like this because it takes the idea of every alien movie ever, for the most part, is uh, how would we fight aliens? Right? Uh, how would aliens invade? Would they take over us? Would they turn us against each other? Would they make blue zombies in Japan? (laughs) We don't know. uh, But they never addressed, like, well, what if we just talked to them? Right. How would we go about talking to them? And how would we... If aliens showed up tomorrow from outer space, I think the very first thing that we should probably consider is how are we going to defend ourselves, but we shouldn't act on it. If aliens really did show up, we should immediately try to communicate. Right that's something that they never do they never do that that never happens it happened in independence day right to start and that went awry and in in contact
2: obviously but contact was more like a i think contact is more a realistic attempt at making an alien film Mm -hmm. whereas this this is more in the realm of science fiction um but definitely has a lot of science backing it and it's definitely a movie that is for people who are pro science because the science people are the heroes and i mean there aren't really any real villains even like the soldiers who fucking detonate a bomb in the ship they're just kind of like there and i actually think that was the one thing that if i was going to recut this movie i just cut that character the soldier character right out of it uh and 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 the bomb and everything and just rewrite yeah. that whole part of the movie into something you else. You don't really
0: need a, a solid antagonist. No, in this. I think the the uh, the actual antagonist of this is uh, pretty much anybody who is trigger happy. Like anybody right. they mentioned, like even you know parts of the United Nations and stuff. They all right. came together to decide. Yeah, well, are we talking, in we talking
2: Yeah, in the end, they all kind of come around. Like you have General Shang, mm-hmm. aka so the ambassador from Rush Hour has apparently become a general. uh... And uh, you also have the, the CIA agent who's always like, uh, well, what they, how could they use this against us? Uh, they're going to blow us up, you know? And they're no, no one's uh, listening to the one person who has a complete command of language. Right. Um, now, that being said, there was a couple of moments in this movie where they forgot about that theme in the writing. Uh, and and in the continuity, and that was mainly my only problem with the film. There was one scene where she tells the story about kangaroos, because they basically, they want to know if these aliens who have shown up, the military people, they want to know if these people, they're going to blow us up. They're going to kill us, this is an invasion, whatever. She's trying to be like, look, we don't know anything, and I need to start from somewhere to figure out, this language to be mm-hmm. able to, and I need to teach them a little bit of our language so we can communicate with each other. And he's like, well, I got to tell the higher up something, Forrest Whitaker, right? And Amy Adams is like, okay, the kangaroo. So when we, you know, English people first got over there, somebody saw a kangaroo and they were like, what's that? And one of the locals said kangaroo. And they found out later that kangaroo meant, I don't understand. And he's like, okay, leaves. And then she turns to Jeremy Renner, and he's like, wow, it's a great story. And she's like, it's a lie. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, well, wait a minute. Why, why couldn't you just go out and find an actual, there's plenty of language stories like that. Find a real one, and it's the truth. Because that would be a good thing to tell. Like, it just felt weird that then she turns around and be like, yeah, I just made that up. Just because I wanted to, just because, like, there's plenty of way, real stories she could have told. And she would know that. The right. other one, this one really is small, but I gotta nitpick at this. It's the scene where they're they're like, "Come in here, Amy Adams. Do you speak Mandarin? Listen to this message." They're in a fucking room full of translators, including a translator who's talking to China. So mm-hmm. they couldn't ask the guy whose job it is to speak Chinese to translate the the, the recording they had of the Chinese guy. Like, there are little things like that where it's just like. Come on, movie! Like I'm a huge on continuity. I it's yeah. just me. I watch stuff and I remember every little goddamn thing. So I go, why did why'd you do that? You Maybe know what you very
0: specific thing is what took it down six points for being a perfect movie. Yeah, on rotten Tomatoes.
2: Yeah, it could be. It could be.
0: Because <laughs> to me, it's pretty perfect. I think it's. I
2: amazing. I think it okay. It is amazingly shot. It has great special effects, but not overdone special effects like the ship the ships. it's very simple yeah Yeah, and they fit in the
0: world yeah
2: around them
0: i love the score there's a yes very very rarely nowadays like the avengers might be like one of the last uh frontiers of this but movies used to have like a, a, a continuing sound that made you think of that movie right uh Star Wars has like a few just based on characters. Jurassic Park has its theme, like every time the dinosaurs the, the theme plays. The thing.
2: I mean, yeah. you guys heard it in the trailers I played earlier. The baseline. Den, den. Yep. Den, den, yep. Den, den, uh, al- Mike Myers. Yep. The alien theme. Like all of these um even even if you go the complete opposite route, a movie which I've mentioned a bunch of times in the podcast, No Country for Old Men, which has no score. Mm-hmm. When you do something really interesting with the music, or in the case of New Country Men, you do nothing for music, you you really, it sets a very particular mood. I actually put this down on one of the group posts of Best Movie Scores. Right after I watched it, I was like, actually Arrival, I'd put it up there, because the music brought me back, like you were just saying, to great movie scores.
0: I just, I I appreciate it, because every time there was a very specific tone that they needed to address again, where they would... Anything that had to do with time because that's a huge thing that ends up being a, a big swerve in this movie um anything that has to do with memory and thinking back and like dramatic pretty much where you're supposed to feel some kind of like emotion right. over it like uh that is synonymous with like pain or or concern, one very specific violin keeps coming in mm-hmm. or, or or cello I don't know instruments, but there's a this like melody that's like.
1: Right, right.
0: That very specific thing that they keep going back to it's in the beginning when the the daughter has cancer and
1: mm-hmm.
0: shit like that and I I I really respected that somebody did that. In fact, that very specific song when that movie came out, I found it on uh YouTube. And I drove around just listening to it to like get my head clear. Right. It was just such a good song. It was like it, it's it's perfect. And it's like again in the vein of like uh the right. Jason I guess well, it, and... there's a very specific Thing that makes you think this movie
2: right and a lot of movies nowadays i think rely heavily on movie theater sound systems mm-hmm. and so when you bring the film home and you watch it on your tv you can really hear the difference between hearing it through a crazy awesome surround sound theater right. and hearing it off of a tv this movie's soundtrack does not rely on core sounds and Hans Zimmer two note score type shit it relies on the same type of music that I I mean I'm not gonna say it's as great as Vangelis's amazing Blade Runner score Mm -hmm. but it does for the movie what that score did for Blade Runner it provides like a background palette for everything that's it almost feels like it's always there it's like a constant drone.
1: I feel like
0: we've talked about it enough that I... Now, at this very point where I start talking, right here, in post, I want you to play that song from the beginning of Arrival that comes back at the end. And, oh, hell yeah. Uh, partly in the middle of the movie. It's it's good. Mm-hmm. It's very... Mm-hmm. It's so just calming, but also it makes you feel what they're feeling in the movie. Right. And it's great. Right.
2: And so, yeah, these... Uh, basically, her job is to attempt to communicate with the aliens. The aliens are able to create these, like, circular... They're, like... They're, like, not sentences, but they're kind of, like... It's, like, a one symbol that means a very complex thought. It's, like, language times a thousand, from what we can understand. Yeah,
0: they're able to form complete sentences within one circle. Right. And it's something that they understood immediately that there's they're kind of creating a universal written language that somebody somewhere is going to be able to translate it they have the technology, and she is
2: that person. Right. And so she begins to translate it. I did, again, another nitpick, I did think it was a little bit Mary Sue Fantastical that she was able to grasp this alien language so quickly, and mainly in the fact that I felt like the film didn't have that aha moment,
1: mm-hmm.
2: where it was like, oh, okay, this is why she can understand it. It was just like, nah, she's just... The doctor and she's really smart. It's like, well, this is also a really, really complex language and she only has a few days. Like it,
0: I will say, it did take her a little while to figure out that this was, oh, they're writing a language to me. And on top of that, uh, she got them to say, because this is something that they do in, in, you know, translations in general when you have to learn a new language uh, or, or translate without a translator. Um, they have them essentially say very specific things about themselves so that they can kind of find patterns. Right. And she let the computers do the work. There's a camera set up that was analyzing it immediately. And so she would write her words. She would turn it and look at the, you know, they would see it. And then they, they could understand what it was at this point. They very quickly picked up on language and then they would say it back and she was able to take these. Right,
2: right. Well, and I did like how they do kind of give a, um, a reasoning for that in that, that the word weapon or it could be tool like they don't completely understand yeah, it could mean either or right exactly they have they have some idea they're like okay this symbol definitely is when they're talking about time or whatever but they don't know exactly what they're reading and so yeah that comes in because she's increasingly been having these um hallucinations i guess they start out as Uh, would be the best way to describe it, because I believe that's what she thinks they are. She thinks she's hallucinating her in another place, perhaps in the future, with a daughter. Now, at the beginning of the movie, you saw that she had a daughter that died, and I think that, at least for me watching it the first time, I wasn't sure until it was obvious that that hadn't happened before. Like, because there wasn't, like, the six years ago or something, like, type of back... It was just like, hey, look... Here's her with her daughter at the very beginning. Her daughter dies. And now here she is. So to me, I thought that that happened before. It wasn't until later that I was like, wait a
0: minute. It's funny that you're analyzing it like this because it it definitely was meant. The whole point of that big aha moment where she, as you learn that she's having these memories, whatever, the whole idea up until then is we're supposed to be under the impression that she had a life before this. Right. And that her relationship failed because they couldn't stay together after the death of their daughter. And things just went awry. Um, she wasn't so much having hallucinations. She was having these memories. They were hitting her, but she was just kind of imagining them. But not fully. She wasn't... We See, I think, no, she was in the future. She, this stuff happens. This stuff happens in the future. That's yeah. a, 100% certain she gains the ability through the aliens to go forward and backwards. She even goes and uses that trick to to talk to the general, tell him a sentence, and then repeat it back to him. The whole... The entire uh, point is that we're supposed to be under the impression that these are memories from her past, and when that all happens, it makes you realize these are memories from her future. They're not even... We don't even know if she's actually envisioning these things during the movie. We're just shown them. See, I don't think she's just envisioning them. Or if she is... She's also
2: present in them, and that's because of the Chinese general. That scene, in that scene, though, she doesn't remember what she did before when she's in the future. So if she's glimpse, it's like she's glimpsing, but she's also, she's present in her own mind. So it's like she's
0: there. No, that's what, yeah, she, she, that was her ability. She went to the future. Right. And he said something. As, as to She went to the actual future because it's all linear. It's not like one of those weird constructs of, of confusion in quantum physics. And right, the time right, travel. right. Goes to the future. But in that future, he says, you said to me. So it's all the same timeline. So then she remembers he said that. And so when she goes back, she, right. she did go to the future in her brain. Went to the future. Said this. I mean, had this conversation with the general. Right, right. Goes back to her current time frame and says to the general over the phone. You said to this uh, to me in the future mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And that's that I said this to you. And so that immediately he goes, wow, you are clearly onto something mm-hmm. here. So all the stuff with her daughter and Jeremy Renner being her future husband and all this stuff, that stuff happens in the future. No, I, I understand So, that. So she wasn't remembering, remembering these things through the movie. They were just showing us the future. Right. Or she was
2: traveling there. Either way. But th- that's that's kind of what I'm getting at because this is very similar to the girl who leapt through time in a way, in that way, because she's able to use that power. Even she says to Jerry Mariner, would you go, would you change something? Again, just like girl who leapt through time, would you change the future if you knew what it was? And she comes to realization she's not going to, like she's going to still have a relationship. She's going to have her daughter. She's going to go through all that, which is my problem with time travel and again we talked about this on the anime episode go check it out guys if you haven't already um but this creates a bit of a time paradox in the way that so if she didn't have the guy tell her then she would have not known it's kind of like terminator 2 john connor or terminator with john connor's dad being the guy he sent back in time it creates this paradox with is that an actual past or did you create that past because of what you did in the future in the case of terminator like did john how does john connor exist in the future if in order to exist he had to send somebody back to father him And there's the time paradox of, so if she had to know from a guy in the future who seemed to know, even in the scene, he's like, I think I need to show you, I needed to show you my phone. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like he knew he had to give her the number. And it kind of creates this thing where it's like, well, so if she didn't do anything, would the future be the same? And I say that all as a thumbs up for this movie, because it creates, like we're talking about in the last movie, it creates a puzzle. Yeah in a way, because you're like, well, wait a minute, so...
0: I'm going to stick to my guns on the fact that all the stuff with her husband and them separating over time over the death of their daughter, raising this daughter and having these special moments with the daughter, all the talking she does in the beginning, that's like narration, she's telling from the future. She's telling us that from the future. And we're supposed to think about it as like, she's remembering her daughter died and then now she's here and they showed up. That's not what is actually happening, what is actually happening is, the movie is showing us the future, she doesn't see that, she's okay. not, she's having just dreams and stuff, that mm-hmm. aren't connected to this, and I think that that's the, the, maybe I'm wrong, maybe that doesn't happen, maybe she is remembering something, that didn't happen, and so whatever, but see, I don't think, Yeah, I don't think none, you're wrong, I don't think there's an effect, I think that's just us, they're showing us what happens in the future, and it's to trick us into thinking it happened in the past, but has nothing to do right, with what's going right. on in the movie, uh, we just know as an audience that when her and Jeremy Renner look at each other, we suddenly have the realization, oh, they're going to be the ones that get together and have this movie, right. and the daughter grows old and dies, and then they... Well, well not grows old, but gets yeah, cancer, yeah. dies, and then they divorce. Like, I that think, stuff's going to happen. Think, uh, we only know that.
2: But I think what I'm specifically talking about is more... Just not even... If, even if you cut out how the, the movie was oh, put know. together. Yeah, you you're know? talking about
0: the space-time continuum of how did he know...
2: No, no, not even that. I'm talking about like if she literally, if we go back to the scene where Forrest Whitaker comes to her office Mm -hmm. and she just says, no, I'm not going to help you. I can't help you. And they leave. Would her future be, her future would be totally different. And that is what's interesting to me about it because it's like the aliens... The whole... That wraps up in this whole thing because, again, the aliens have come here for a specific reason and that is they need to teach us their language because in 3,000 years they need our help and we need to know their language
0: yeah, in order and, to and help Earth them. Earth is dying and they need right. to, to, to give us the ability for time So this is
2: going to help point. everybody. This is a win-win situation, right? Which is, like I mentioned earlier, at one point they say offer weapon, give weapon. Like, they they're trying to give them... Weapon means language. That's the weapon. So... If she never went there in the first place, she never would have lived that. So the aliens are, in a way, directly responsible. That's and weird. So, I
0: definitely got the weapon slash tool was time travel, not language. I'm pretty sure it was the idea that she could...
2: Well, but that's what it, The language is time travel. Because remember, oh. they, they tell her, like, now that you know, you can see all this stuff. So the language itself is the thing that allows you to see through time. Once, you, once she learns the language... Now she can, she starts to see through time. She doesn't understand what it is at first. But I'm also specifically talking about the fact that there, she realizes, what she realizes is more than just, oh, I should do this because this is what I saw in the future and I, I want to still, I want to I have my daughter. I want to give her the best life she can. It's not that. It's also that if those aliens never showed up, None of that would have ever happened. None of all of this would have ever happened. It's all intertwined. Her daughter is a par- her daughter's death is a part of that, and she accepts that. And that's a really strong fucking choice for a character to make. That's a tough fucking choice, man. And so her I love wife. that.
0: I know that you love that, but I don't think she saw her daughter's death. All that stuff. I think that's just uh, us.
2: I no. I see. I think she did see her daughter's death. I think she did because there's other. Things in that, in those scenes, where, where she's either you know, with her daughter in the future, where she she goes in the futures with her daughter, or other things around that, I think she did know, because even at the end, if she didn't know, then why she wouldn't even hesitate. If she knew that her and Jeremy Renner are just just gonna have a kid, but she didn't know the kid was gonna die prematurely, like when they were in the teenager, then why would she have any hesitation? Because she also also the reason why he leaves remember she says she says well did, why did daddy leave or something and she's like it's my fault it's cuz i told him something he wasn't ready to hear yet cuz the reason jeremy Renner left them in the future is because she said i knew she revealed to him i knew this whole time that she was going to die because obviously i mean you and i think it's the movie also, show I not know what tell saying,
0: but that's what i'm i'm uh, my point is is all the memories that we were witnessing that she was seeing in the future she gained the ability right before she kind of establishes that her and Jeremy Renner have like feelings. Like mm-hmm. they look at each like other at the end. Like right. That. So once she had that ability, she automatically, she that's, that's her gift now from that point to the future. So at any point post what we saw, uh, of them at the end of it, if they didn't show us the memories at all, and she wasn't having the memories, like I don't think she was, she then already now has the ability. So anything that did happen, like her daughter getting sick and stuff like that, then she could have easily gone and realized, oh, my daughter's sick. And so she could have gone back and, and told, you know, or, or like she could have discovered she was sick, go back in time so that she could relive that, that life with her daughter over again. Whatever it was, I think that conversation and, and learning all that stuff, I don't think she knew from what we were seeing. I think she knew... From that point forward at the end of the movie i think those memories weren't happening through the movie i think those memories were for okay. us
2: well i i would at least say it was in that moment because i think that that scene in particular where he like turns to her and she turns to him and like everything's over and it's obvious she she knows that they're gonna be together because it shows you know them in the future in her house and and he's like comes in the house and stuff and then again with her saying to the daughter like it was my fault i told him something i think definitely at some point she knew before they officially got together you know cuz that was the reveal i mean and, and on, on obviously you can have that the obvious off-screen conversation in the future between them of you already know what's going to happen she's getting sick mm you know, or like, you know, she could be young and they have to go to the doctor more and more often. He's like, tell me what happens. And she's like, I can't, I won't. And finally, she's like, look, she dies. And I knew it before we even had her. And I think that's that because that to me is what makes that scene so important, because she could have just been like, you know what, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go with him. Because I don't want to because I don't want to do this to us. I don't want to do this to my daughter that I haven't brought into the world yet. You know, but instead she makes a different decision and decides to go with him and then and I think that maybe even if she didn't know, it could also even be that, yeah, Jeremy Renner just believes like, Well, you can see all time, so you should have known, you should have told me.
0: My my opinion is that, that at the end of the movie when they look at each other, she has no idea that they're gonna be a thing, that they're gonna have a kid and all this stuff. But the reality of the fact that eventually her daughter does exist and does get sick, this is all linear from what we're watching. He knows she has the ability to time travel. So I think that it just ends up happening down the line because if she gets sick and she dies, Jerry, Jeremy Renner immediately has it in his head. This happens so she could have easily gone back. The moment that, that my daughter got sick and died, if this was, and he knows her gift, right then and there she could have easily been like, oh, my daughter got sick and died. And then went back to before they were a thing and then decided not to go through with it so that he didn't have to right. lose her daughter over again. And so he knows that she could have stopped this from happening, and that bothers him alone. And that could be the conversation. Two
2: things about that. First of all, I'm not saying she can't, but we never see her go back in time. She only goes forward in time in the movie. The other thing, even more important, is the line where the little girl says, Daddy doesn't look at me the same way anymore, which is years before she's going to die because you see that she's like a teenager. She's like maybe 15 or 16 in the scene at the beginning when she's like get when she gets the diagnosis of cancer or whatever right. it is, right? She's a little girl. So it's like years in between and they're already not together at that point. So I don't I'm not even going to say what I what I really think it is honestly because deep down I just like how we can both look at this film and see something totally different from it hmm. in, in that. And, and that I think is an intentional thing that the director did. It's vague and, but it's still interesting because there's, because there's so much you can pull from that. And, and there's so much you can debate about right. in the movie. And, and it's still either way. I think either if, the director was to come and say you're right or you're right to either of us, I'd still be like, I don't care. That's not really I'd really enjoy the movie either way. Um, because I think both options are viable. And yeah. the fact that you never see what actually happens means that it could be another thing we're not even talking about. So there you go. That's arrival and we have finally arrived at the ending of Arrival. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. On to the next one.
0: I just forgot something, man. Uh, before we dock,
1: I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and I, right. we think we ought to, we deserve full shares, right? Brett. You see, Mr. Park, and I feel that the bonus situation has never been on a, an equitable level. Well, you get what you contracted for like everybody else. Yes, but everybody else. Well, this is a commercial ship, not a
0: rescue
1: ship. Right. <laughs> it's not my contract to do this kind of duty. And what about the money? If you want to give me some money to do, I'd be happy to do <laughs> it Right. We're on our way home. Yeah, back to the old freezerinos. <laughs> Let's get to the doctor when we get back home. Right. Whenever he says anything, you say, right, Brett, you know that? Right.
2: <sighs> Parker, what do you think? Your staff just follows you around and says, right. It's like
1: a regular parrot. Yeah, shape up. <laughs> what are you so kind of a
2: parrot? Right.
1: I won't even take that chance. Just cut it off and uh, You take responsibility? Yes, yes, I'll take responsibility now. Get him out of Where do you want to do this? <laughs> Make making a decision. Just below the knuckle there. Right here. Okay. Stand by. Oh, God.
2: That thing's gonna eat through the goddamn hall. Come on. What's going on?
1: This way. Next deck.
0: Okay. Uh, Ryan, 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 Monty, Monty. Your friend, Ryan yes. Monty. It's
2: just Ryan Monty. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to go I by know. his
0: Facebook name. Uh, it says random question of the day. What is your favorite featured actor performance? Think Christopher Walken in Pulp Fiction or Gary Oldman in True Romance?
2: Uh, those. Right off the seen,
0: bat. I haven't seen True Romance. Oh,
2: man. Tony Scott, Ridley's little brother. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a great film. Written by Quentin. Uh, different from a quentin movie but still feels like a quentin movie because of the script right i like it a lot i think it's really good i highly recommend it obviously christopher walken in pulp fiction might be honestly ryan that might be the best of the the featured actors i that is iconic to me Actually, I think that it might be the best part of that movie. It's the most engaging part to me of that movie because it's so out of the blue. And it's set, it totally like resets the clock on Pulp Fiction. Because all of a sudden, now you're going back to little baby Bruce Willis. And like you're like, whoa, what the fuck's going on? So, yeah. And Walken is just amazing as that character. There was another one someone mentioned, which is Tom Cruise in uh, Tropic Thunder.
0: Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah,
2: that that's another good one because it's, if we're gonna go
0: comedy right uh, route, I like Will Ferrell and Wedding Crashers.
2: Oh, yep, yep.
0: That was a good spot. That was a good one.
2: Um, this one's not actually this is another Will Ferrell, and actually this is not even from a movie. This is from a television show. Will Ferrell mm. on Eastbound and Down. I don't remember what the character's name was, but he was like the rich guy who owned the fucking place, and he had he looked like oh, Ric Flair. Yeah, well. I wouldn't like,
0: say he's a feature, he's like, he's a staple. He's in like all the seasons. He's, he's in a, like the main yeah, villain. Exactly.
2: He's, but he's, it still felt like a feature performance because of how, like, how they used, they used him so well yeah. and they didn't use him too much. And I felt like that was so perfect. And obviously. I mean, he's,
0: but, I'm pretty sure it's Ashley Sheffer. Sheffer? Yes.
2: Yes. That's it's he Ashley. He even does
0: the Ric Flair. He, he, yeah. he dresses like him. He claps his hands. Together yep. Goes, woo, yep. He woo. has woo.
2: the hair, like the
0: suits man. it's
2: brilliant. The outtakes. Um, from that yes, show, yes. Will
0: Ferrell's outtake. Sweet plums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: amazing. Um, there's a lot. I, like, I love performances like that, though, Like to go back to the, the real featured actors. I, I think I commented one, but I don't remember who it was. But um, there's a lot. I think you could even make, uh, even though it's a character that is sort of in the whole of the movie, I think you can make a case for Andre the Giant in The Princess Bride. Yeah. Because that's definitely like a feature role. That's a character. I mean, people knew who Andre was. I don't think people understand how big wrestling was and mm-hmm. how different it was back then. And Andre was a legitimate world superstar outside of. Re- he was a like he was something else. There's... If we're gonna go
0: that route, Hogan was in one of the Rocky movies. True. Exactly. Thunderlips. Yeah. Yep. Um, who else would be a good? <laughs> John Cena in the new uh, Sisters movie. Oh, in Sisters, like yeah, dealer. yeah, yep. That was good.
2: There, there's a lot of them, um, and I think I'm trying to think of another really, really good one. Because um, I mean, really, a featured performer? Are we saying like somebody who's in just like one scene, or someone who's kind of like a supporting? When he role? says
0: featured, I, I feel like it's like a celebrity cameo. Right. sort of thing. Not really a cameo in the sense that it's it's like, oh, you're supposed to see it and go, oh my god, that's so-and-so. But they just do a role that's, clearly they didn't need to do that right. small little right. role. Um, right.
2: It's like a bigger person than should be playing the character. It's like in Wayne's world when they're making fun of uh, The Graduate and he goes in, it's like the gas station scene in The Graduate and this mm-hmm. guy comes up and he's like, oh, I he's like, I need to get to Cherry Street. And the guy's like, oh, I remember I dated a girl who... Lived on Cherry Street once, and and uh, Mike Myers goes, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. I know this is a small role, but can we get a better actor for this? And They pull the other <laughs> actor out, they bring in Charlton Heston, and yep. he does the same line, and then waits, crying, like, <laughs> 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 yeah, that that sort of thing, where it's like that person's too big to be playing this tiny
0: role. Here's here's you think that's crazy for a tiny role and being What's super that? famous. We watched Covenant this week. Yeah. James, James Franco, Franco. yes. <laughs> he doesn't even
2: talk. No, he gets burnt. He does talk.
0: He later on, in like a cameo, right. like uh, He does in a video. Yeah, yeah. randomly. Yeah, ja-
2: like James gets... Franco, as we're obviously going to talk about when we talk about Alien uh, Covenant, yes, he he gets burned, and then and then you see a, a picture of him, and then, or some pictures of him, and then you see a video of him talking mm-hmm. to his now uh, widow. <laughs> uh,
0: New segment I started last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll throw this in here. Okay. Uh, featured trailer. Yes. Was dropped yesterday. It is the remake of Pet Cemetery. Yes. So, without further ado, here's the trailer for 2018's Pet Cemetery.
1: So many trees. It's beautiful, right?
0: That's definitely not Boston. Here
1: we go. Okay, so. What do you think? Wow, this whole place is ours? I even got him to throw in a whole forest as a new backyard.
2: It was a myth. Kids used to dare each other to go
1: into the woods at night. place they feared it those
2: woods belong to something else
1: the ground is bad
2: Maybe just some crazy folk tale. But there is something up in those woods. There's something that brings things back.
0: Sometimes dead is better. Last week I said I was going to read off Sarah Ryan's reviews that she does (laughs) in the group. Uh, So for this movie, Indestructible Man, our opinion is it is three stars. And this is her official review. All right. Now this was some classic horror I was down with. The Man of a Thousand Faces, Lon Chaney, did not disappoint. And it had a cinema verite, is that the word? Yes, Verite, verite. That almost made it seem low budget. I particularly dug it for the now archiv- archival archival. What's the archival? Archival. That's how you say that word. I've never heard. I, I don't. Archives can't see the used word. I'm in just that guessing. word. I mean, in that way. Yeah, archival. I didn't. Yeah, it's a new word for me. I learned it something new. <laughs> for the now archival footage of 1950s Los Angeles architecture and street scenes alone, but the script and acting weren't bad either.
2: Yep, I've seen that movie and I enjoyed it. I really like Lon Chaney. Uh, If you don't know who he is, he is the Wolfman, among other things. I believe he also played maybe the Mummy. No, that was Karloff. But he he was a monster and sci-fi actor of that era. Mm -hmm. Um, Most famously, obviously, the Wolfman. But he he did... Oh, man. He did another... Oh, Phantom of the Opera. I believe he did as well. Yeah. He's fantastic in the movie. The rest of the movie, it's obviously it's not as good as those ones. Like if I was gonna say, hey, go watch a Lon Chaney movie, I'd probably pick Phantom mm-hmm. and then Wolfman Great. and then this. But I enjoyed it. Uh, I love movies from that era because, like, they make me laugh as much. As, like they're they're almost as enjoyable as like a bit of like bad cinema. Yeah. knowing what you know now, and I don't mean to say that they're bad movies, but they're different. From how movies are made now, so there's a lot of times they're just kind of like, "That was weird," you know, and I love that about him.
0: I love the uh, headline for it is "The scream that shocks the screen with three hundred thousand volts yes. of horror." Yes, inhuman, invincible, well, we inescapable. Can,
2: we can talk a little bit about this here because we uh, we talked about the thing and in the, uh, on the things movie poster there was a little snafu with the, uh, with the tagline. The original tagline for the movie, which is in the trailer, is, Man is the safest place to hide. Which feels a lot like, in space, nobody can hear you scream. And this movie definitely wanted to kind of jump on a little bit of the alien bandwagon mm-hmm. from 1979. And, um, but on the poster, the execs, thought that 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 line wouldn't work. So instead, they went with, like, the the greatest or the best in alien terror, really trying to capitalize on the whole alien thing. (laughs) Um, And it didn't work, because people didn't really go out and see the movie. Uh, It finished well behind Blade Runner and E.T. And uh, critics absolutely hated it, as we uh, did mention when we talked about it earlier. Um, And... uh, but yeah, I just think that's interesting how a movie's tagline is so important to what, really looking into what they want to market it towards. So like with Indestructible Man, it's like, hey, we're really trying to tell you, this movie is just, you're going to be scared. This is a horror <laughs> movie. We don't know what else to say about it. We can't describe the movie to
0: you. Have you, do you listen to Harmontown at all? Uh, I have, yes. Dan Harmon? Yeah, yeah. there's a great rant uh, from Rob Schraub. I mm. believe it was Rob Schraub mm. that went off. He was driving through Boston, and there was a poster for Peter Rabbit, the live-action version. <laughs> and the, the tagline for that movie was, Better ate Than Never. Wait. What does that mean? Okay. Better 8 Than Never. Well,
2: let me break this down. So, you got... You <laughs>
0: he spent good 20 minutes ranting about how you got this the doesn't farm, make any sense. You
2: got the farmer. Mm-hmm. What was the farmer's name? He had a good name. I can't remember
0: it. I forget the character's name, but I know oh, right. that the actor is Homeboy from Ex Machina right. and Star Wars.
2: So uh, yeah, um, so you got the farmer, and then you got, you get the rabbit, and the rabbit's got a family, and the family, the mom rabbit is like, don't do the shit, don't mm-hmm. steal the carrots. Right. There's no the carrots farmer. on this poster either. Okay. I but, finally saw so it. I
0: drove by the 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 billboard for it so
2: then he steals the carrot but gets caught by the farmer and the farmer almost eats him you know kills him whatever and then he escapes and he learns his lesson i guess or no he does it several i can't remember how that story goes i I don't remember the story so better eight than never to me would mean that like it i guess it makes sense to me but not that if i really try to like if i try to make it make sense like Okay, so they're basically saying that, like, hey, grab life by the horns. You know, yeah, you might get ate by the farmer, but go get the carrot. It's just, that's, that's not exactly what those words mean, but Mm-mm. I think that's their intention. Doesn't you make know? any sense. You might, like, better better. you get ate than never having the carrot. Yeah. Which is stupid, but I, I guess I understand what you're saying. But also, I would never... Why would, why would they feel like it was a good idea to make a live-action... Beatrix Potter flick. I don't don't know, know, man. Kids will really just, they'll eat up anything. I think that's what it is.
0: Or they won't,
2: and the movies will bomb like that movie did. That movie did not
0: do very good. No. Um, But yeah, better eight than never. That's the tagline. That just why did you give it that tagline? I think that
2: that movie is one, it's part of this thing that you're seeing now. Like we just talked about it a little while ago with Disney. They're capitalizing on us. And on... Specifically, I mean people who are in their early 30s and mainly who have children. Yeah. And so if I had a kid now, I'd be like, oh, I remember when I was a kid, I liked Aladdin. I'll go take my kid to go see this Aladdin movie and we'll bond over it. Yay. Like, And that's all well and good, but it's like that's literally the only reason why they're doing this because they know us dumbasses will eat that shit up because we're so obsessed with nostalgia. Well, I
0: wouldn't say we're dumb because they actually look awesome.
2: No, they do look awesome. I just also... I, I'm always a proponent of give me original stuff you know i I, yeah. I i I'm not gonna just just shit on remakes and reboots just because but every time I hear of another one, I do kind of like die a little inside. I'm just like, come <laughs> on, can we like get some can we get some new stuff like because all all that stuff that they're rebooting was once awesome new stuff that no one had ever tried before, you know, and it might have been yeah. based on something, but it's like. I don't need you to ever make another fucking Star Wars or Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, I'll still probably go see them. I, I mean, want you to make definitely. all the Star Wars
0: movies. I want 20 more.
2: I, I, <laughs> I, 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 look, it, but I didn't say I don't want that. What I said is I, I don't, don't want them to need, all be
0: canon. I don't need it. I don't need any <laughs> off stories or reboots. I want everything to be canon and keep them coming. That would be cool. Make that story crazy because this is a galaxy that's far far away and it's a long long time ago and there is a lot of stories to tell. There
2: are, definitely, definitely. But but at the same time do we really need 20 more Avengers movies? Do we really need like Yes. No, I see 100%, I 100% so. because
0: look at, first of all I, I had this there's a kid that used to be in our group. Mm. I'm not going to say his name. Uh, mm. don't even. We used to Argue all the time. He just did this whole thing. He's like, "You, they, they need to stop making Marvel movies." I was like, "I was like, what are you talking about?" Because first of all, they sell out like crazy opening weekend, and then they continue to make them billions of dollars. Yeah, no, no, I'm totally on board with that. Take that aside, and just from a fan's perspective, what people are not, I don't think they're not thinking about, is that these are comic book movies. And they're the first of their kind to follow the format of comic books. Right. You have all of these crazy characters and their little stories and how they're, you know, and they make them feel big, like Spider-Man Homecoming made Spider-Man feel like, a, you know, this is a big thing happening to right, him. Right, right. But then, in the grand scheme of everything, just like in the comic books, eventually a huge event happens and they all need to work together to, to yeah. get through it. Then... They're now opening this whole thing with like a multiverse Mm -hmm. and characters, main characters are totally, even though, spoiler alert, if you saw Infinity War uh, or didn't, just to let you know, half the people disappeared when Thanos snapped his finger. And if you don't know that yet, then you weren't on the internet because there was a million memes for it. But Spider-Man died and and Black Panther died and all these main characters that will definitely be back.
2: Right. Well, they, yeah, they... We don't even know. We actually
0: don't know. Like, some of them might not actually come back. Spider-Man does have a sequel, but it, it could easily be the field trip that he abandons on the bus to go fight the aliens mm-hmm. when Infinity War was happening. It could be everything leading up to that. It's called Far From Home, and it's, he's far from home because he's on a field trip. So, I mean... Right. Or
2: uh, he's in space getting alien symbiote. But wait, they already have Venom.
0: Yeah that's not going to be a story like that. I think Mysterio is already established. As the okay, that. he's going to be But the point being is, like if Captain America dies, okay, well uh, Bucky and Steve Rogers when he dies, Bucky takes over as right. Captain America, uh, Falcon takes over as Captain America at one point. There's
2: also been some, I know, some uh, news I don't know how true it is, but of uh, recasting of characters uh, after a certain amount of time, like they'll recast Captain America.
1: I don't I, think they'll do that. I, I think they'll I hope they comic
0: don't. suit, and they would, uh, if they ever do get another Steve, it would just be a matter of like getting it from another universe. Yeah, it wouldn't, and it would be a different version of it, him,
2: or it wouldn't be Steve Rogers. It'd be the next Captain America. Yeah, I'm sure that right. the,
0: the plan right now is for Bucky to take over as Captain America. I'm that pretty would make sure sense. The plan would be, but if they were smart, they would go with Falcon.
2: Well, see, that's what the comics did, but I think actually going with Bucky would make sense just because of how they've established that this universe isn't the same. You know, it has similarities to the 616 Marvel, you know, canon universe, but...
0: Falcon has been Falcon since day one. He showed up as Falcon, he's still Falcon. Uh, Bucky went from Winter Soldier uh, to becoming the White Wolf. Right. You know what I mean? So that in and of itself. And then Hawkeye is another person who could take over as Captain America, but he's coming back as Ronan. Right. So, I mean, the idea of, of living up to comic standards, like that's the argument I have for making unlimited Avengers movies. This literally could go on for the next 100 years, and I wouldn't be mad because right. comic books have been doing the same thing. But see, And, I think and they... you can start over. It's not a big deal. They have this whole concept of the the Infinity Gauntlet, which means that at any point, somebody could just reset reality and snap their fingers.
2: But that's the thing. I didn't mention when I said series is that Marvel. I'm okay with, I mean, I did say, you know, a million Avengers movies, but I'm more specifically talking about, really, I'm really talking about Star Wars. I I think that if we got these three, this new trilogy, Mm -hmm. that should be it. I know it won't be. I know that they are already planning to make more movies, side stories and shit. I've never seen Solo. I didn't like Rogue One. I thought it was I thought it was cheap uh cash in. And that was sad to me because it had so many moments that that like lied to you that it wasn't like in a way it felt like a movie where i was like this could have been really good but you guys just didn't put enough into it and you put so much into the other into force awakens and last jedi that it hurts that you're you're making me go watch this movie when you just didn't care about this movie nearly as much and and i'm afraid that that's what's going to happen with some of these side story type movies yeah
0: I'm going to have to disagree and say Rogue One was a fantastic movie. I love the plot of that movie. I love that they decided to not go the route of uh, Obi-Wan or Yoda, as far as like, a side story goes. Go with like an untold story with an original cast of characters that we have not met, that we know are important to the plot. And I thought they were, they killed them off. Like Spoiler alert yeah all um, the characters die really (laughs) if you know
2: star wars you know that at the beginning because they're the the spies that are mentioned in jedi as the ones who got killed we
0: we meet the character who actually the one big joke in star wars was fixed outside of jar jar binks being like jamaican um which is i can't even i hate making fun of that because that guy is like so sad now
1: Um, about
0: being made fun of
2: i watched phantom menace yesterday did you know that you did tell me that yeah
0: but yeah. I, I want to continue on this Rogue One rant. I think it's a good story that they told. I think it, the characters were all endearing, and they they covered that joke of why was there even a, like one hole on that entire thing for a vulnerability mm. thing for them to get blown up. Because somebody worked for our side of the battle, and they did it. We met the character that yeah. was responsible for that and gave them the blueprints. Yeah. Um, on top of that, that sweet ass Darth Vader scene—that nostalgia where he just comes in yeah, and that starts. Yeah, cool. I mean there out. was
2: definitely. That's what I'm saying though. There was and lots of cool stuff about it.
0: It's not like people. It's not like it wasn't met like critics' standards because critics, Rotten Tomatoes, it's certified eighty-five or eighty-six. Yeah. Huh. I mean, it's up there. I thought it was a really good movie. I I'm could. I can't. Saying, I, I think know. it's. I haven't seen Solo, but I'm guessing it's better than Solo.
2: Yeah, and um, I I just I just didn't I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah, you know, and it had like I like I said before, it had some really really great stuff in it. I just was worried. I think from what I've heard, again, I also uh, also haven't seen Solo. Mm-hmm. From what I've heard, that movie's really good. Maybe that movie will, you know, uh, help me feel better about where they're going with these <laughs> side movies and stuff. I just feel like it, you're you water down the product. You know, like if you made. 50 fucking star wars movies from 1977 on well guess what all those other like it's like i love like zatoichi the the blind swordsman movies but there's like 50 of them like and and how do you pick what the best one is they're all so different they're and so it it just gets in this thing where i'm like do i really care about the universe that much if they're not gonna show the same care You know, and and like for everything terrible George Lucas has ever done, Mm -hmm. he gave a shit. Especially in those first three movies, yeah. Um, When you know, and I know he didn't even direct all of them. Obviously, Irvin Kershner, famously, did an amazing job with *Empire Strikes Back*. But George really cared about what he was doing at that time Mm -hmm. because he was a nobody who was making a nothing movie, and now *Star Wars* is a multi-billion-dollar brand. And it in a way, it's almost like it's become the empire in a way. You know, it <laughs> used to be like this ragtag bunch of Let's young, be real, young Disney, filmmakers. Disney is the empire. Yeah. It um, used to be a bunch of ragtag filmmakers who were just out of film school trying to make a whole new place and you had a bunch of no name actors in who who were rocketed to stardom because of these roles, and now it's owned by Disney and it's a a procedurally generated
0: product. I respect so. what's happening now though with Disney coming to the helm. They they went with a lot of old animatronics and like mm-hmm. they used some old sets to even like mm-hmm. rebuild some new ones. Um, I I just love the idea of any universe comic book or real world building. And there's a lot of people who have been very successful at making, you know, one or two movies with massive world building right. like Blade Runner. Blade Runner is, is, is a, a franchise, it's only two movies deep, with like one short film about Jared Leto's character from 2049, right, right. Um, and I think there might even be one for Batista, I'm not positive. There, there's, I think there's another one. Yeah. But I mean, you could make a whole comic book series, you could make an entire, like, make 20 more films with other characters that take place in this cyberpunk mm-hmm. reality dystopia right. bullshit. And... It would work for me. I love the idea of world building. I love the idea of of expanding a universe in which these things exist and giving us more from it. Um, Akira is easily top three favorite movies of all time. I've told you that a million times. If they just had some other side stories with new characters or original characters, I would fuck with it heavily. Oh, yeah, no, no. Even comic book form. So I I love the idea of universe expansion because at the end of the day, if any of them end up being shit, then we just... Don't watch those ones. Right. I don't watch... You watch Phantom Menace? I don't know
2: why you did. I don't watch those Uh, ones. to to Episode 1 and 2, it. I have no
0: reason to watch them. Episode um, 3 doesn't get the well, respect it deserves.
2: And I'll mention this because... Alright, I posted this on the group because I was watching that movie and I was like, oh, I think I discovered something. And I don't know if this is... Je- this is probably just me. I know some other people agreed with me on this. But I was like, oh, you know what it is about Star Wars movies? Jedi are fucking boring. Jedi like real Jedi. I'm not talking about Luke. Luke wasn't a Jedi not until the very end of of, Where he of was y- and right. Right. That like was the Ray moment Ray. he became a Jedi. The rest of the film he wasn't. He was a kid with a lightsaber trying to figure it out. Han Solo not a Jedi. Leia has Force powers, not a Jedi. Okay? Look at the new films. No Jedi, even the characters who are like jedi well they're sith and sith are cool because they're evil so people (laughs) are automatically like oh yeah Sith they're cool but jedi are boring because jedi are always so calm and i think it was brian who brought that up because at first i was saying they're just like it's like they know everything they know what's going to happen he was like well that's like the sith but like the jedi are calm because of like their knowledge of the force or whatever you know he made a good point i don't remember what it was but he was right and then I was like, yeah, but that still is why they're boring because, like, when they're leaving the fucking Gungan city and there's, like, all these, like, giant fish, like, Obi-Wan and fucking Qui-Gon are, like, dead face as Jar Jar's freaking out. And I'm like, that's what makes these movies boring because there's no stakes for these characters, or at least they're not showing you their stakes. Like, even in, in like, in, in the, the only Jedi who's not a Sith that you see other than Luke in the first three movies is Obi-Wan. And Sir Alec Guinness, this is not obviously meant to be an offense to him because I think this is done on purpose. He's a boring character who submits to his death without a lick of emotion because Jedi don't have emotion because it's been burned out of them in Jedi Academy. Right. And I was like, that's why these movies suck so much because they focus on a bunch of boring-ass bureaucrats with, with swords.
0: You're saying it sucks.
2: I'm saying that Jedi suck. And that what's cool about Star Wars are the rebels, not, not the people who are... But
0: you didn't like Rogue One. I didn't. Rogue One was an entirely but I, but I said that, story. I didn't,
2: I, but like I was saying about Rogue One, I didn't not like the characters. I didn't not like the plot. I didn't like, right. like the story. I just felt like the execution wasn't... There wasn't enough care in execution. And I, I wish the movie had they had put as much as they were willing to put into their big movies into it and that's why I fear side movies to a franchise because they don't put enough effort into them.
0: I will say I just I prefer stories like that, the world building stuff like that. Yeah. I, I don't need the I don't need to know the background of Boba Fett. No Boba Fett sucked. Yeah. I'm sorry, Boba Fett just looked cool. Right. But we mentioned it last episode. It. Boba yeah. Fett sucked. He was lame. Uh and, and I don't need to know how he got to Suck Hood. And, and characters that are <laughs> but, awesome, like Yoda and right. Obi-Wan, don't need to know what was going on in between right. those. I don't want... And I know that's why they'll make them, because those characters themselves already sell and they're marketable. Give us more alternate stories. Hell yeah. You can do Star Wars. They had a new hope. How about Star Wars, a new beginning? And you just literally do a completely new cast of characters that are in the world of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah,
2: or throw some si- throw some science in there with your science magic. Have them fucking go into another universe.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: Like, yes, split out, branch out. Be be. I- I'm cool with that. Honestly, if you're gonna make it a franchise, if you're gonna be original inside the boundaries of that world, that franchise, whatever, then hell yeah, I'm down for that. And yeah. so that's why. I mean, I'll still like. Here's the thing. I I guess saying I didn't enjoy Rogue One doesn't mean that I won't still watch it. Right. I think I was just like. I was disappointed not in the movie, but in the studio and in the people who have the billions of dollars who could have thrown more money into that movie to, and, and made it something that was on par with The Last Jedi and with The Force Awakens. And cinematically and from a film aspect, it wasn't. Everything else about it was great, but I just felt like there was, there was corners cut and that's that's like, Disney, you're not allowed to cut fucking corners. Sorry, you have too much money to, to sit here and cut corners and sell me something. Obviously, they got away with it, and they will forever. But I, I just... I don't like movies like that. I know? will say
0: that they had one of the best shots in the Star Wars franchise. Which one? When the red lightsaber goes off. Mm, He's just yeah. It's just a silhouette. That was sick. That was badass. That was sick. And that, again, fits the whole silhouette of Vader being an iconic symbol. Mm-hmm. Um... Anyways, we've spent a lot of time talking on Star Wars, so uh let's not. Let's yeah, just stop let's on to the next. Please turn your security grid the f off so
1: I can get some sleep. Hang on, let me think. No
0: Dude, you want to move your thing? You almost killed yes. us. Yeah, are you like, are you begging me instead to like mess up your pizza face in front of your girlfriend over there? Cause I'll not do worth it, man. Dude, dude, it's not no, worth man. it. Look at my shit, man. My dad's gonna be pissed. Dude, do you know who his dad is? <laughs>
1: He's totally
0: rich. He will
1: totally hook you up, dude. We're drunk. Are these friends of yours, fry
0: man? where's the club? I
1: need to piss. They came from space, you know. Typically, that means uh, you're somehow connected. Carl, I've never seen him before in my life.
0: So then you, you don't mind if I talk to her?
1: Her? Yeah, knock yourself out. She's a regular whole bag Sup, <laughs> little lady? Dude, she's got a bit of a stash. all right, she's good to go. Hey, um, my dad's like totally rich We own this
0: dealership, and, uh, what sorority are you in? Uh, excuse me? Whenever life gets you down, Mrs. Brown, and things seem hard or tough,
1: and people are stupid, obnoxious or daft, and you feel that you've had. Quite enough.
2: Just
1: remember that you're standing on a planet that's evolving and revolving at 900 miles an hour. All right, the
2: movie I picked for Russell this week is Alien Covenant. It is the sixth movie in the Alien franchise. And it holds a lowly sixty-five, or sorry, sixty-six percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, this movie was directed by the legendary Ridley Scott and starred Katherine Watterson, and Billy Crudup, and of course my favorite, Michael Fassbender. Um, this movie is available for free on what did you say, HBO. Yep, on HBO. Or you can come over to my house and we can watch all six Alien movies if you want to do that. Because I have them. Um,
0: Yet again, like all these other movies, if you don't have HBO, it is also available to rent or buy on Amazon. Correct.
2: Correct. And so, without further ado, let's jump right into the trailer for Alien Covenant.
1: You've all sacrificed so much to be here and be a part of this thing we're doing. This crew is made up of couples. It's the first ever large-scale colonization mission. And everyone back on Earth is really grateful for your hard work, and your courage. We're making history here. This is wheat. What are the odds of finding human vegetation this far from Earth? Who planted it? You hear that? What? Nothing. No birds, no animals, nothing. What happened here?
0: you usually start off oh, wanna, okay that's fine i'll start <laughs> off alien covenant uh yes i'm going to give you the quick the quickest review possible and then we can get into it okay um not as good as prometheus better than half the alien franchise half yeah i think alien oh and aliens are better oh yeah definitely uh than prometheus then okay but yeah, nothing else is yeah this yeah, is three. just, to me, it's not. It's, it's in vain of Prometheus, but it's not as good, right. but it's also definitely still up there right. better than everything else, besides the first two Alien movies.
2: I would agree with the, definitely with that assessment. I and mean, by
0: all the other ones, I mean there's literally just one other one, right? No, no two other ones. Yeah, uh, six
2: in total. You have Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection. Prometheus. Resurrection! Ugh. You didn't like Resurrection? No, I did not. See, normally people do that at Alien 3. You go, ugh, when you hear Alien Three, but no,
0: I didn't like Alien Three. As yeah, much no, either. I, it's not a very memorable movie. I
2: don't, I don't hate Resurrection as much as I don't like Alien Three. I won't even say I hate Alien Three. I just have a lot of problems with it. Alien Three is my least favorite. Um, it's I would
0: say for me it's a tie between those two. Yeah,
2: I mean they're definitely yeah they're the bottom of the barrel. Uh, however, I do like how Resurrection has Ron Perlman, and I like how Resurrection has that one scene where Sigourney Weaver shoots the basketball into the hoop, and literally that was the second take. She hit that shot on the second take. If you've ever seen it, it's amazing. She, she, behind the back, no, no look, throws the ball up, swish right through the basket. Second take. Ron Perlman literally laughed, so they had to reshoot all of his edits for it because he was like, holy shit, I can't believe you just did that. Anyway, I watched Prometheus, and then I watched this movie, and yes, Prometheus is better. But this movie is a really good sequel to Prometheus and it builds upon the series in a really, really great way. And I think only only fucking Ridley Scott could have made these two movies mm-hmm. together and made them feel so good compared to, like I've already mentioned the group a bunch of times, and in this podcast, my favorite movies of all time. Alien and Aliens are like my favorite movie and my favorite sequel. And it... It, to, for movies like this to even come close, they have to be really, really fucking good. And I think Covenant does something kind of interesting uh, building off of Prometheus. And I've actually heard the opposite of what I'm about to say, but I really like going with this thing I thought while I was watching the movie. Because like I said, I watched Prometheus, and then I immediately watched Covenant. In Prometheus and in Alien, you have a group of people who are not prepared as prepared for what they're going into. Right. And they come out with science and in the face of the alien. And that's very, well, it's a little bit similar to how alien, the first alien movie plays out because it's like, you have a bunch of people who are not prepared to deal with this. They're not soldiers right. or anything. Right. Whereas in covenant and in aliens, they're coming out with the guns right away. You have a more military based group um than in the first one. Yeah, so the w-
0: synchronized uh heavy machinery gun. Do you yeah. that's a very yes. specific scene that I always found comedic. I, I can't It was an aliens where like the woman soldier
2: and the other dude when they're like dancing with their flamethrower machine. They do like a thing like, like unintentional
0: like synchronized movement. Oh
2: no, it. that's intentional. I'm
0: pretty sure. Silly. <laughs> it was so silly. <laughs> um but yeah, I think uh it's one of those things, like I, it was really good, and I like the, the, that it kind of dives into a lot of like deep thinking stuff, but at the same time, it, I, I, I can see where a lot of people were upset. Mm. Like, why this movie didn't get as critically loved is like, yeah, th- maybe the Prometheus got a little philosophical, but it wasn't advertised as an alien movie. It was this right. is a, a sci-fi movie that takes place in space, and then surprise, it was about right. aliens. But also, but, if
2: you'd seen Alien, you would have been like, well, that's the space jockey from Alien in the middle of the film. When they show him for the first time, you're like, that's, that's in the first Alien movie. That same room with the phallic looking, you know, like ship control thing in the center and the, the body that they find, they find that in, in the first Alien movie. So, like, I loved how they did that because it was like they were playing with your expectations. The first time I saw it, like you were just saying, I had no idea that it, was, it had anything to do with Alien, except yeah. for the fact that Ridley directed it. They didn't,
0: they, he didn't want that to be like known. Um, what I think I understand with the hate for, the, for Covenant is it got way too... First of all, the, the, the rawness of all the Alien movies being xenomorphs are trying to kill us. It's very dark, it's very scary, it's very cat and mouse, mm-hmm. and it's brutal. That's a horror movie. That's the whole point. It's like a slasher film in space, but the it's a monster. And with this, it's like we get really into like the idea of evolution and creating and, and who is God and all this crazy shit that they go all the way into. The bad guy isn't even the aliens. I don't like yeah. that the bad guy is Michael Fassbender. And... This, like, weird, sexually ambiguous android thing where he's kissing everybody and stuff. The music, it's just, to me... See, but I... Dumb. The flute thing, dumb. I okay. think all of that was mad corny, and I think it was unneeded, and, and and I just... Why? Why? Okay, why the I idea, will... We didn't need this whole...
2: I will agree with you on the flute thing. The flute scene is dumb. It is wicked cool how they shot it, because it's two fastbenders. All of the two Fassbender scenes were shot on... This is crazy how they did this. They had four cameras basically being used for this. So you had one fastbender, then you had your second fastbender, obviously playing both of them, right? And he can only do one at a time, obviously. Yeah. And then you have your two stand-ins who are playing the The other, right? But the way they cut the film is that they use CGI to put essentially put the two scenes together I watched the behind the scenes and it's it's kind of easier to see it visualized Mm -hmm. but it was like they would have the actor who was playing the fastbender when you had the other fastbender's back turned to the camera and then they'd match cut that with another cut of the other fastbender acting right over it it's it's wicked cool how he did it and it's kind of an old school trick using newer technology but, and I did like the kissing thing because I liked what they were going with this character who is, it, it was kind of a callback to the very first android we ever see, Ash, played by Ian Holm, mm-hmm. who has lost it, you know, in that movie. This is an, this is an android that has gone, he's, he's lost his mind, essentially. He hasn't had maintenance in years. No one, you know what I mean? He's created a whole new Philosophy, mm-hmm. and I think he's trying to become human. I think the problem with it is that they didn't go far enough with it. So it's like, pick one. If you want to go with this, then go further. If you don't want to go that far, don't He didn't far, want to be human
0: it, at this point. He wanted to be God.
2: Right, right.
0: They, they even addressed that conversation with him and uh, Guy Pierce. Oh, yeah, his, yeah. Yeah. His dad. yeah,
2: Waylon. Exactly. Um,
0: so what I'm saying is that this whole entire movie is. I think it takes away, if it's canon, it takes away from a lot of the stuff. Like, the idea that these aliens were created by an android over trial and error right. and, and brutality. And then the, the, the ending being like, this is how they all exist. They could have just been an alien race on a fucking planet. That found right. their way and that that's just what they do. Or even that just... That's to their evolution.
2: I think it would have been even better if it was just that uh david michael fassbender had found the formula like he combined this the neomorph as they call it which is if you've seen the movie it's the white alien Mm
1: -hmm.
2: combined that weapon that he found in the ship with the space jockeys with the prometheus blue guys and that's what created the Xenomorph. Like That, to me, would have been enough. I wouldn't need to see him have a science laboratory. Even though that room was super cool, I give huge shout-out to the people who worked on it and did the, the drawings and the models and stuff. Lots of great practical effects used and stuff in this movie for non-moving shit. The alien also looks great. Not used enough, though. Yeah,
0: the whole Not idea used of just enough. is being in the dark and, and having a horse. Like, they didn't get to that point to, like, the last, what, 20 minutes? Yeah. And then they, they right. happy ending, let's, you know, lay down things. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. You're the bad Michael Fassbender. Right. The other few nitpicks that I had, I don't want to see two Michael Fassbenders having a kung fu fight in the middle of a fucking alien. I also, I really don't like the weird hair thing. Like, he had, he, his hair's natural, so he grew, like, this weird hair. But then he can yeah. go into a mirror and make himself look exactly like the other one in, like, fucking five minutes. Well, I
2: also had a problem with how his hair in Prometheus was blonde, and now he's got brown hair. And that, I yeah. was just like... He was, his long hair was blonde. Right. But, but that he was... like, shortened it and th- dyed it? I don't... Literally, literally just for one thing, which is the ending where he... Cause it, so, basically, this story, to give you the, the snapshot of this story, if you ever seen an alien movie, it plays out like every alien movie. There's a spaceship. There's a bunch of people on the spaceship, they're going somewhere, they get a distress call, they gotta go stop, they go down to a planet, they find something. In the thing they find is an alien. The alien infects one of them. They stupidly bring it back to the ship. It starts to infect them all one by one as time goes on. However, in this movie they also, as we've been saying, slipped in the fact that Michael Fassbender, David, so there's David, who is from Prometheus, and then you have Walter, also played by Michael Fassbender, who is part of this crew of this ship. The Covenant ship. Yes. They find David on this planet. He scares away the the aliens and shows them his house, basically. They see that they're in this destroyed civilization, and as the film goes on, it becomes more and more clear that David is not a good guy and that David is trying to
0: infect them purposefully to create an alien. Sacrificed his own... uh, Best, I guess you would say she's the best friend. She's the main character from Prometheus. Well, he doesn't
2: have a best friend because he he doesn't think that way. But yes, what you been, would have thought at the, the end, end of Prometheus is uh, best buddy.
0: And then that he's the one that caused the death of all these this mm-hmm. entire civilization by like letting this right uh, the original the white Zeno you know, the Neo or yeah whatever. whatever it was because and then they, they connect, can they, first of all let's let's get real uh, more okay first of all I wasn't even done with my nitpicks.
1: I know he you're kills
0: not. he kills Walter. Like easily. Like he just fucking stabs him through the neck. Five minutes later he's alive. And there's no explanation as to how he didn't get killed. Except I'm more evolved than you. Like I was what? Still fucking stabbed you through the neck and killed you. What are you talking about? I'm I'm miss- when did that happen? He Wait. kisses him. David oh, kisses Walter right, 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 and then right, it's right, almost like right. a goodbye you're not as advanced as totally. me I still have my human side and they what they That's do, what you consider as advanced is a setback. Stabs him through the throat dude fucking falls to the ground and is shut down completely. And you're like he's, he's dead. dead. Within two minutes right, or so he's back, he's back and he's <laughs> having a kung fu fight. Come on man. Once that again, was stupid. Once and once I'm not again, done. Though, I will I'm no say, once again. No, no, no. I, I gotta get my nitpicks out.
2: No, no. Oh, I'm gonna let you keep going. <laughs> I'm just gonna jump in with the kung fu fight was really well done. Again, though that's like that's like kinda like, alright, great, you made one guy fight each other fight himself and that was really cool looking, but what does that do for the rest of the movie? Nothing Nothing to do. It's <laughs>
0: completely just like could have been so, avoided. Yeah,
2: nitpick away.
0: Um, <laughs> the the other thing being the uh technology in which these neomorphs uh and not technology, but like the just pretty much the evolution of them, is they go into you via just air pathogen and you breathe them in and then they consume you and then they come out of you. Okay. Not quite. What do you mean? The not alien,
2: quite? the alien symbiote, the parasite, whatever it is. Yeah. What he, what he explains is that it's a microscopic thing that gets inside of you and rewrites your DNA. So it's the thing basically. And right. that's why you ha- that's why the Prometheus aliens look different. That's why there's, like you're about to be talking about, the flower aliens that go in through people's ears and noses and stuff in this movie. That is the parasite infected that flower and made that flower into a carrier. This is all something that they have put into this movie. So that means that the original xenomorph was basically a thing like creature that when it infected Cain in that movie, it used part of his DNA. To create itself, which is why it was humanoid. And it, it's a great cop-out to explain why all the alien movies have a totally different looking alien that's all based on the same thing.
0: Right, but David mm-hmm. progressed these species more and more forward till he got the perfect one. And the right. perfect one comes from a thing comes out of a flower, attaches itself to your face and attacks you, and then crawls out of your stomach. This evolved from the ones that you could literally breathe in. Right. But that that's... is... How is that... That's a, that's a huge step backwards in evolution. But maybe even worse How much worse easier than it is for, you to, for it just to, poof, float into the air, and you breathe it in without you even seeing it remotely, than having a fucking weird baby-making thing that attaches itself to your face and consumes through your mouth... And then, and then gives birth to your stomach. I
2: completely agree with you, but I that's haven't... That's a huge step in, no, backwards. That, but that's that's not what the parasite thinks about. That's the thing. It rewrites whatever it is. What might be even worse of an implication of the flower scene is that... Wait a minute. Does that mean that David was going around planting flowers like that? Because that's what I think happened in that scene. There's no like direct evidence to connect them. But it's like, so... They find this random plant in the forest, and it's not even that they find it. Like, the, literally, the guy who gets infected just steps on it and doesn't even notice it, and then the parasites go in and, like, come into his ear, right?
0: They float to his ear, right. too.
2: but so... So... I can understand it if it's, it's just an alien parasite. So that particular parasite, right, it found that flower... And that was a part of that flower's DNA. It let out some sort of pollen, right? Yeah. So the alien uses that, which is why when it infected a human, it did it in a different way. It needed to give itself a cesarean section to get out or whatever, right? And, I mean, even the guy who gets... uh,
0: Because the the infection through the ear and stuff, that's the the, the white alien that comes out. Right, right.
2: But even both those guys had a totally different reaction. The first guy, it came out through his back and an amazing, one of my favorite, probably my favorite part of the movie is that scene where it rips out of his and back. And also
0: just looks way cooler.
2: Right. The other one was they bring in the other dude back and it comes out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's supposed to kind of be, I really feel like they were going for trying to make it more like the thing in a way. In that it's like that explains, because even in, in I think, the third movie, it's not in the movie, but there was supposed to be an alien dog. And the only reason that they didn't, go with it is because the the actual dog in the costume looked too cute when it was running around it like wouldn't have worked it didn't look scary but so they've already been thinking about for years this idea that like the aliens do the same thing the thing does in a different way they come in and they shape themselves based on the thing that they're infecting but that kind of ruins well the, the... whole series i'm going to agree with the, what you said there because way earlier because that ruins it if it's the fact that some fucking robot did all
0: this. Yeah, he just he evolved them. He like he he through trial and error. The flowers you're talking about, yeah, that's the point. He he put those there. He created the face huggers and they come out of those things. Right. So, how is that progression for him? He's an android. He should be smart enough to know well I can just have them, you know, go into people through uh the air. <laughs> like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And crawl out of their backs, but no, you know it would be way more advanced. As if they grew in flowers and then attached themselves to people's faces and then gave birth through their stomachs. Well,
2: maybe the implication is that.
0: Because so Billy Crudup, is, that's how he got it. To, Billy right. Crudup, just to clarify, is the one after all these trial and errors, all these other alien consumptions. That's his. And, and then they, they know it's him, too. That's what's even fucking weirder is that he had been talking to these face huggers and loving them and stuff like that and, and raising them inside these
1: weird mm-hmm. flower thing mm-hmm. so that
0: when it, con- it attached itself to the first ever face hugger in this universe, attaches itself to Billy up and then uh, comes out through the stomach and is this full grown thing that it's like, there it is finally the pinnacle. Right. This is the Xenomorph and, and that's his perfect creation. Uh, that thing is just like, I'm an alien. I love you, daddy. Like it's all like being loving to, to David and mm-hmm. it's like that in <laughs> itself is already fucking weird and ruins Xenomorphs right. for me and <sighs> then gets shot and killed. Yeah. It's the whole this movie was really good and it was really well done, but I can definitely I, I I can devil's advocate I get equally upset with the audience on this kind of does a lot more damage than it does progression. I can see to how the, it does the that alien universe.
2: But I also would argue that in some ways it fits the continuity of what the movies have given you because like if you watch the first alien what what I kept coming back to is I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a baby. That alien's a baby. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's only a little... It's not... Now, look at the aliens and Aliens, which have had time on this planet. And they've been able to literally... They've created not only, like, a, a hatchery for their queen, but they've outfitted with living humans... To immediate... Like, it's like a factory. Like, they... they In that movie, they shut the fucking... They kill the power. You know? And I always laugh at that line, but it's like, that's trying to show these things get smart. But they don't start that way. So I think that it fits the continuity in the sense that that first alien that they run into is still not the pinnacle yet. Like, yeah, it's a killing machine that he's created, blah, 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 blah. Right. But... but that,
0: this is it, and this is going to evolve on its own. The other but. thing
2: I got to say, though, too, that I like about the idea of where they're going in this movie is that I will always argue that the Alien movies are about motherhood, mm-hmm. and what better way, what better villain to have than the father, the evil father, in, in contrasting this idea of mothers. Because obviously Sigourney Weaver, mm-hmm. in her role, especially one, in Aliens, it really kicks off. Her whole connection with Newt is very much she becomes her mother. And at the end of the film, she fights the alien queen, who's another mother trying to protect her family. And so I think it's interesting to have the father of the alien be this demented creature that has lost, that has no humanity and doesn't understand what that is and has birthed this evil thing into the world. And then Ripley in the later movies, her, well, the earlier movies, but, you know, continuity-wise later Mm -hmm. movies, Her way of dealing with them is an attempt to be the mother to them. So I like that idea. I just don't think this movie was executed as well as it should have been. However, if I had never seen an Alien movie before, I would have fucking liked this movie a lot. And I would have wanted to go see Alien. And I'm sad that it didn't do that well, because I would like to see uh, Prometheus 3, for lack of a better term. And it sounds like that's not going to happen from what I've been reading, because this movie didn't do so well. So,
0: yeah. Which is weird, because now where they are in all of this is right at the point of where everything you love about the Alien movies, everything that we all right. love about the Alien movies, would start.
2: Right. You
0: know what I mean? Like, here's the first one. Here's how David and uh, these pretty much blue creatures existed. Another thing, too, just to clarify, mm-hmm. the the Aliens that We have always known the xenomorphs right they run pretty fast yes, not scary fast
2: like no they're, no they're faster like this than one. us
0: but it's almost like getting chased by I'd say I don't know what's what's like a fairly like a i don't know
2: I can tell you this much in the, like
0: a faster human
2: in the first <laughs> alien where, movie yeah the original xenomorph is very slow, like there's a scene where Ripley comes up around a corner, sees it and then walks away the opposite direction and it doesn't immediately chase her like in the second movie though they are much faster and so i think that the creature has evolved with technology it's kind of that same thing where i was saying like hey it's funny how in star wars back in in the past the ships were all such nice, they, so, everything looked nicer in the past in Star Wars, and in the future, <laughs> everything looks like shit. But it's like you, you know the suspension of disbelief, I guess, a little bit's bit. like, obviously, they have the technology to make it look really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I guess they're going to. I would have liked it if they didn't.: right. Honestly, but, I would have liked it if the xenomorph didn't even show up in this movie.:
0: But I had a point that mm-hmm. is the neomorphs are fast. Yeah, and petite, they're smaller. Everything about those aliens are way fucking scarier and way more advanced to me. Yep. That you can breathe them in, they crawl out your back, they are brutally crawling out, they kill you really easily. Then they can run around really fast, and then they are like they have like a, a wolf pack mentality, and they're sneaky. And it's just like, come on, man! Like I I don't get it. Would you rather be hunted by, I don't know, uh, a lion, or like, fifty hyenas.
2: I mean, <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess that's it's that kind of thing. That's yeah. not an evolution. It's just one of those things. I don't things know. Like, it's but but raptors ma- are way scarier than T Rexes to me.
2: Yeah, in certain situations. <laughs> but, it I mean, really depends. You just
0: literally just stand there and they're gone. We're, I just I, it's <laughs> weird. They're slower. They're bigger. They're wonkier. They uh, getting into people is a lot more difficult of a process. They have to a facehugger has to see a human and attach itself. It couldn't just float through the atmosphere and and pretty much like they did in the beginning of the fucking movie they they just they went into a bunch of humans mad fast like an entire civilization within minutes was consumed by this alien race now evolution because David moves everything forward now (laughs) to get into a human a creature has to be raised in a flower to then attach itself to someone's face
2: here's another thing though about that whole scene you just mentioned okay Um, So, David shows up on this planet, right, in the ship, the the space jockey's ship that they had taken, and it shows him carpet bombing these fucking people with like thousands of these these creatures that you saw from the first movie, which created the little purple alien guy, right? Mm -hmm. How come there's no fucking xenomorphs, or whatever you want to call them, how come there's no aliens running around? That fucking every single one of those people would have become a host, or at least at least a great percentage of them. There's no... There's, like, the only neomorphs you see in the movie are the ones that he made in the movie. So where are all the other aliens that infected all the space jockey they people? They definitely
0: were out there, because it was only the one person who got killed that got consumed whatever. There was a scene where they were shooting at, like, four or five of them that came running in from like outward oh you're right you i know mean right, so they yeah, definitely yeah. exist on this planet right right that's kind of i feel like part of the, the but maybe
2: world. that's what i'm saying that's like a missed opportunity and it's like what i said a little bit earlier about like maybe it would have been better if there wasn't or, or if the xenomorph was the final reveal because it's like it, it's the xenomorph the greatest thing about it was show don't tell and and don't ever really show it that much hmm you know and what makes the first movie so scary is that you barely see the thing there's about 3 or 4 scenes that the thing's even in and in this movie you see it do stuff and it doesn't hold up i mean this alien is not as resilient as the first alien the first alien gets fucking blown up and kicked out of an airlock and the way she actually kills it is by fucking literally it goes into the the like you know blasters or whatever for the ship and she fucking guns it and burns him to death you know like she had to really
0: kill that thing the very first xenomorph so you guys know the very first real xenomorph the the final frontier that David creates uh, his alter ego Walter the other android just walks in and just shoots it is it one just shot him in the head and it's dead and it breaks David Mm -hmm. he starts crying because it's one of his babies it's mm-hmm. all emotional about it. He doesn't cry, but he gets emotional as yeah. the android can loses his mind starts screaming and shit. That's it. There was machine guns in the sequel. And right. aliens too. Well, aliens. They didn't call it Alien 2. Yeah, it's called Aliens. <laughs> they had machine guns and they still couldn't get the job done. This guy walked in, pop pop. Right, but they also dead. Here's Boom, the other, other the thing.
2: The other thing about Aliens that's really interesting is that they est- and I watched this last night. They establish that there's like 2,000 colonists there. Mm-hmm. So that means there could be 2,000 aliens there, you know, and that the stakes are for the viewer, not even for the, these Marines, like the Marines don't know what they're getting into, but you, the viewer, if you've seen Alien, you know, oh shit, if there's 2,000 people, there's a lot of aliens down there and that's bad because one alien is tough, but Mm -hmm. it's easy to kill if you have the right tools as we've been shown.
0: Actually, do they establish what the way that civilization came from?
2: With the space jockeys?
0: Yeah, is that the people on the end of the sh- at the end of Covenant on the ship?
2: No, I don't think Does so. Is that tying
0: together? Is that like a thing?
2: No, see, and that's another thing I I I have a problem with because mainly it's just because they're they really need a third film to bridge this gap because yeah, in Alien, they find where they find the xenomorph here. Yeah, where they find the Xenomorph, and alien, is on a space jockey ship, and they find the skeletal remains, or the suit, with a body inside, of one of the blue Prometheus guys, and that's where they find the Xenomorph. So if he killed the whole fucking civilization, where did this space jockey ship come from? Did David then go to this planet that they land on, an alien and aliens, and plant them? I don't know, man. See, now, that's... Yeah, that's a major problem. I will say, though, we've kind of glossed over some of the good stuff about this movie, so I just want to say real quick before we end this, I love uh, the main uh, female lead actor's portrayal in this movie of her character. I believe Mm -hmm. she's called Daniels. She is fantastic, and she she must have studied Sigourney because she tried to not do the same thing, but capture the same type of character. And by the end of the movie, I am so on board for her as like the action hero that she's becoming in the movie. Like I really liked that character. I thought the acting was good enough that if other things I didn't like, which were more plot and direction things, weren't Mm -hmm. there, I think this movie could have been really good. I think that Ridley Scott fucked up, and he doesn't normally fuck up. He could have. He put so much into this movie, and there's just a few things that he could have done to make it a lot better.
0: Here's some things. Since we're like I said, I obviously like this movie, even though we did a lot of ranting. Uh, I like Dan McBride's character. Agree. Uh, he's like a pilot. And, Tennessee. Yeah, he is uh, married to one of the girls on the planet that lands down well, to yeah. like. I we
2: should also mention they're all couples. It's they, of yeah. One of the things I, I laughed out loud when they said the beginning the movie, it's like, we're all couples. I was like, that's stupid.
0: Yeah. And then, there's but, like a yes. a couple that gets murdered in a shower. There's Danny McBride on the ship while his girl is down on the planet. Mm-hmm. And so he gets pretty upset and he's a very good actor in this. This is like yeah. the first I think I've ever seen him really take on like being serious.
2: It was for me. And definitely. it was, it was
0: good. It was yeah. really good. Um, and James Franco, the main girl in the movie, the main lady, uh, what does her name mean, Daniels? Catherine. Her, name is, her character's name's is Daniels. It's Catherine something. Her husband is James Franco, who gets burned yep. when uh, something hits part of the ship in the beginning yeah, and it, fucks everything like up. It's a solar flare And they or see him get burned alive. They all wake up from this like sleep to yep. see him get burned alive. She she's literally
2: out. watches her so husband. So that's something she yeah. has
0: to deal with through like a good half of the movie, mm-hmm. is her mental mental state over yep. seeing her husband get burned alive I also
2: give a big shout out to Billy Crudup I liked what he did with his character he was playing like the man in charge which should we, not yeah, be in he charge he wasn't supposed to be right. he
0: kind of had to take over that because he was second in command yep. when James and Franco he, was burned alive he
2: gives you that in his performance so well, the audience, he is so confused and scared and it's great. He's like, fuck, I'm the guy now.
0: I have to, I have to make these decisions and then they don't take me seriously.
2: And that's to me, a big callback to uh, Tom Skerritt in alien. He's not as he played Dallas, the the captain in alien. He's not as uh, indecisive, but he definitely is a guy who feels like he's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this job. I have to do this because I'm the captain. But like, you know, and and it makes way for in this in that movie Ripley, in this movie Daniels to step forward and take charge, be like, "Well, I'm gonna do it then." I like that about it. Every, with everything of negative we've said, I like this movie, and I will watch it again. I think that definitely out of the Alien movies, I'd rank it number four. Alien, Aliens, Prometheus, this, the other two are tied for last. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I
0: would do pretty much the same yeah. thing except I would switch
2: Aliens and Prometheus. Oh, you like Prometheus more, more than aliens? aliens? Wow.
0: Than Alien, then Prometheus, I, then Aliens. Then... I
2: don't agree personally but I do not I do not think you're wrong in a right. way. I guess is what I'm saying because for me again, watching Prometheus again the first thing I said after it finished I was like I liked that movie a lot more than I remembered. Yeah, like, so <laughs> fucking good. It's really, really good. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so that's it's Alien's so, yeah. Covenant.
2: That's definitely Aliens Covenant.
0: Out of this world. so I'm going to do what I did last week. I like what I did last week. I'm going to stick to that. Okay. I'll give you uh, third place first. No, what did I do? I did second place first. I don't know. I don't remember. Did I thought I you did did 3, The second 2, place award goes to... Don't you
2: dare do it. No. I can already see the shape you're making with your
0: fucking lips. <laughs> the thing gets second place. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I obviously love all three of these movies. <laughs> um the nope. thing for me is is I think there's more of uh the fact that it's a classic and the fact that it's kind of uh not even I wouldn't say cult classic in the sense of the audience size, but cult classic is in the influence that it has mm-hmm. on films since then. And it's a great movie and I, I you know, I'm they live like we've talked about we, we love everything he does, he's mostly. And it's it's up there for me. I would say if I was going to score this out of one of ten, it's one of those movies that would be a nine point something. It's right up there for me. Um, I would not be opposed to somebody telling me it's their favorite movie of all time. I can uh, Why not? It's I think it's more of the nostalgia goggles that I always talk about. I think that's just primarily what it is. I think uh, now that I had to sit down and analyze a lot of stuff, it was a perfect 10 and now it's a little less because I actually had to put a little bit more thought into a lot of things and I had to analyze it a little further. Um, with that said, I'll move on to third place. Covenant. Yeah, I think That was pretty <laughs> obvious. Um, it, the thing is, this is the first time that third place is not a movie I hated <laughs> or disliked somewhat. This is a great movie. I thought it was really good. I had obviously my own qualms and we just ranted a long time about Uh, but I think that, uh, overall it's a great movie and I definitely, like you said, will watch it probably a few more times. Um, it's very good. Uh, but it just doesn't live up to, I guess, you know, the thing or my first place winner Arrival. Like, I know that, see, here's the big thing between me and you. This is the, you're very, uh classic films are the best films i think that's the thing too is like it's yeah it is classic but a lot of the the with critics in general a lot of things that come on now um it's weird because get out got like a hundred i mean a lot of movies got like perfect scores and and were critically like this is one of the best movies of all time but for the most part because of where we are in cinema things that come out are going to get compared to movies that have already came. Oh, totally. And that's just the thing that's going to happen that you didn't have to deal with movies back then. There wasn't a lot of uh, comparisons to be made that you had to make. Mm. Um I think that's genuinely the only reason why a lot of new films don't get treated with the same respect. Uh it's over it's overproduced like music and general, things in general, it's overdone and it could have been less and uh I just think this was, to me, it's one of those movies that came out more recent that is a near perfect movie. I okay. would say that this is like a 9.8, 9.9 to me, and it's right up there. And I've I been mean, a lot of critics agreed, but I think uh, if you say to a film buff, which I think we both are film buffs, you're just more of a classic head than I am, a modern head, is uh, that it's, I'm, it's, it's blasphemy to say it's it's better than a classic, which. I don't agree. I just think it's a great movie. Yeah, no,
2: and I don't don't think that way. I do, I would say, though, you're right about, I like classic movies more, especially I like movies from the 1980s or around there
0: a lot. I
2: feel like there is a particular type of cinematography at that time that that just speaks to me.
0: There's a tone. There's just a tone in general. I I like it. People... I need to tell you to clarify, my nostalgia goggles I'm always talking about, my favorite, like, two favorite movies of all time, like, right above Akira, <laughs> is fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the, the original live action, and Hook. Both terrible. <laughs> Hook is so bad... Hook is fucking awful by today's that standards. He pretends he never made that movie. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. He, he says, oh, I fucking hate that movie. He hates that movie. Yeah. I don't, man. I It's because it's... To me, there's just something about, like, the the set of those movies, the tone, the music. Oh, yeah. Ninja Turtles was so, to me, just organic. What did you think about
2: Secret of the Ooze?
0: I hated it. Yeah. See, that's the thing, is, (laughs) is that everybody, if you talk about what's your favorite Ninja Turtles, everybody goes, part two why they're
2: wrong why because casey jones probably but casey jones
0: was awesome in the first <laughs> yeah movie. i know uh and, and, and april o'neill who doesn't come back because they wouldn't pay her enough yep. she was clearly better than casey jones oh, and, yeah. and, and as an actor oh, and, yeah. and but they know because she's a woman back then you didn't get paid as much she was like well then i'm not coming back and yeah. they were like fine we don't give a shit yep you're replaceable wrong she <laughs> wasn't i don't care and the stupid time travel samurai bullshit it's right. bullshit is what it is it was terrible <laughs> Okay? The only good one of those three was Ninja Turtles 1. And on top of that, here's the thing. This is I always use that movie, both those movies, as a metaphor for, for talking about things being unrealistic. Mm. Okay. Uh, there's a very specific thing I always use. I say, it's like the Ninja Turtles effect, where in Ninja Turtles 2, they break through a wall, and Vanilla Ice is performing in an underground club, and he's rapping about Ninja Turtles... When nobody knows Ninja Turtles exist. Yo,
1: it's the green machine. Gonna rock the town without being seen. Have you ever seen a turtle get, get down? down. and to the new sound.
0: Yeah. And people go, that's what you're nitpicking in a movie about? Ninja Turtles? <laughs> that are human and have like a rat that teaches <laughs> yeah. them how to do Kung Fu? And, and, and... Like, just, just, like, yeah, just go along a, for yeah, the ride. But listen <laughs> to me. In that reality, in a world where... Ninja Turtles exist, and they're hidden away from the world, what the fuck is A, Vanilla Ice doing performing in an underground club to like 20 people, and B, conveniently rapping about Ninja Turtles as they break through the wall? that was pretty weird. It's like when people, when I say that's unrealistic in wrestling, that's like because we're wrestling nerds, I always use that comparison specifically. I go, yeah, but in a world where you throw somebody into the ropes, they bounce back, Mm -hmm. why would they ever do such and such? that's where exactly. I, i'm at like why no, I get why that. does a, a dentist decide he's crazy and he's gonna he's, we're talking about isaac yeah uh, yankum i know what you're talking it, about. it's that's a stupid thing to have happened in wrestling right. that's how right. i feel about right. it in the world of wrestling why would that guy decide to not be a dentist and go fight people in a ring i get that
2: well he's he was really big
0: so yeah, i just went on a whole tangent like way <laughs> yeah, off did. the rails i'm just saying ninja turtles that's a the point I'm making is so not that is, the greatest movie ever made. Hook is definitely not one of the greatest movies, but they're my two favorites. Yeah, but you love them. Yeah. Yeah, so take that aside. I, I'm able always to take those nostalgia glasses, glasses off. The Thing is something I grew up on. It is something I, I love, and it is one of my favorite movies of all time. But if I'm going to be honest and say which one is a better movie, I think Arrival is near perfect, and Thing is just under it. Okay. It's a very close tie. I would honestly say okay. it's by point two. Points two. I would say that the thing gets either a 9.6 or a you.
2: 9.7. I hear you. All right. I'm going to do it the way I, I do it, which is first I'm going to tell you my ratings, and then I'll tell you which one I picked. I
0: think you should get the ratings after. Because okay. Okay. Are, yeah. All right. And so I'll, I'll just do it, it the it.
2: same way you did. My number two movie, a drum roll, is Alien Covenant. Okay. And it's only, and again, I always say this, it's based, this is based on my opinion.
0: Yeah. I just gotta, really quickly, mm-hmm. I'm so offended I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> I can feel it, it's like itching. It's like it's about to come out. So yeah, if I you sneeze know in the it's middle, about I'm to sorry. Yeah, go ahead and continue. I will sneeze in a second. That's though. okay.
2: Uh, I really, I, this is the movie I already said, I would watch this, I probably will watch this a lot more times in my life. I
0: lost a sneeze. We're in the car.
2: (laughs) And I think that it is only, only maybe a point higher, in my personal opinion, of movies I like than Arrival. So, like, realistically, Arrival's my number two. I'll really give it to you. Arrival's number two for me this week. It's a very good film. I didn't enjoy it until... Uh, maybe halfway through or more, and that's when I started to really get into it. That's mainly why I'm putting it lower down here. It didn't grab me at the beginning, and movies like that usually do. Um, I think I also kind of are. I didn't know much about the movie, but I did know that it wasn't an alien or thing type alien movie and that disappointed me. I even texted you. I was like I kind of hope these I kind of wish all these people would get eaten by an alien at some point. And it 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 would have because I mean, I can see people saying the same thing about the beginning of Alien saying, well, "Well, this is boring. All these people are just talking about shit, you know." Right. Arrival had fantastic score. Maybe one of my favorites of all time. It had great camera work, great cinematography, great acting. But it had all of these moments that I felt just didn't, like I said earlier, didn't fit with the overall uh, theme that they were trying to go for. And I feel like that really hurt the movie. And there is a lot that could have been cut in any movie where I'm like more there's a half an hour of, of cutting room floor material that's in the movie that needs to go. I understand that, there's a thing about like the art of the camera and the camera eye and shit. There's a little bit too much of it. This was a little bit masturbatory from the cinematographer
0: <laughs> and the editor. Right.
2: And it, it made parts of the movie drag when they didn't have to. So that's really my criticism. Alien Covenant is number three because it really doesn't do for the series what it should have. And Prometheus is so much better at doing that without even having a xenomorph Mm -hmm. so that really lost points for me i would say that it's really hard for me to say either of those things about the thing the thing is i would say a nearly perfect movie and that's why i'm going to say right now i am giving it a hundred it is on my list of untouchables which is why i was very sad that you didn't pick it as well because i and i Hey, man, it's, it's like your I opinion.
0: It's really up there for me. No, no, and
2: hey, it's your opinion. I don't, I don't, don't hold it against you, is mm. the way I would say. It, my opinion in your opinion, that's what makes this show great in my eyes, is that we don't think alike and that we do sit down and talk about it. But watching that movie again, I haven't seen it in maybe three or four years. I just couldn't, I couldn't find almost anything wrong with it. I know I will agree I have some nostalgia-shaded glasses and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the movie never has a boring point that I can think of. And even, even the ones that could be considered boring are so filled with tension. There's just such a tension in the film that I, I just, I feel like, I, I, there's the only other film that I, that I the only two films I'd put up there with it so far are Alien, which is my favorite film, as I've said, and Rashomon, which is another one of my favorite films, that I just feel like they, they're front to back. You know, there's, there's not a lot I would, if I was, if somebody's like, hey, edit this movie and I watched it, it'd be like, there's like no. two seconds here or there I might take out. But so yeah, I really like it. I, I I'm going to, I'm giving it the nod this week. i uh, giving given the listeners the nod. You guys pick the best film in my eyes.
0: Um, so this is the first time you're fighting for the fans. Yeah. This has only happened twice. You're looking for a coin. I have a better idea. We have a coin. If you need it, best two out of three rock paper scissors. All right, let's do That's it. That's how me and my cousin, cousin Bruce, settle every debate. All right, so two out of three rock paper scissors.
2: Should we both? We'll both. Well then. Well yeah. We'll do it, and then we'll announce what the results were after every throw. I guess. Yeah. You ready? All right, ready. Rock, rock paper, paper scissors, scissors shoot. Two. Rock. rock paper, okay, that was scissors both. Wait, no, I thought we were going to do it all. After oh, no, no. We'll just do it... I, I meant, like, after every one. So that was double scissors. That's that's a tie. Okay. Rock, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, that's a win for me. Rock, rock paper, paper,
0: scissors, shoot. shoot. It's over. won. Yep. Two to nothing. He cut my paper <laughs> and he covered my rock.
2: That was... That was an act of God. I'm yeah. sorry. Because the thing... I, I just... I really think... Arrival is fantastic. Honestly, I didn't get my scores yet. My... Rating numbers are Alien Covenant, 80. Arrival, 90. The Thing I already said, 100. So I'm giving Arrival a very high score. The only reason it didn't win is because you guys picked The Thing. So think about it like that. If you guys had picked, like, I don't know, some shitty Alien movie, this movie would have killed it. It's really good. So whatever, even after everything I said, if you haven't seen this movie, go see it. It's really good. You'll enjoy it. I swear to God, you will, even though I nitpicked a bunch of shit about it. And same thing with, I think, Alien Covenant. I think you'll enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I think all three of these are rewatchable a dozen times over. This is actually the first time I didn't even have to watch a movie over again. I watched Thing just because I wanted to nitpick. Uh, But Arrival, I started, the first time I saw Arrival, uh, just so you guys know, I had a podcast and I just kind of scrapped it a while ago uh, called Alone at the Movies. And that was one of the movies I had to watch for the podcast. And so it's, I've already seen this movie through a critic's eyes and I've watched it multiple times since. I didn't need to watch it over again. Right. Uh, I started to, and I was like, ah, fuck it, i <laughs> on the thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all these, first of all, all three of these movies, if you subscribe to everything like I do at this point, every single one of them is available to stream somewhere. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely put those in the beginning of uh, all of these, the intros and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. So, So the winner is The Thing. The Thing is the better movie.
2: Exactly. It is added to the Hall of Champions. But, I kind of see... I kind of want to make, like... I think I'm going to make a photo thing that's just all the movies. Because I think, honestly, even the ones that we've hated on. All these movies that we've watched so far in these seven episodes have been pretty good. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I don't think we've had... I really don't think... There's, I mean, even the, I think the one we hated on the most was The Graduate, maybe, that we both really just shit on a lot. But even that movie, I'm not gonna come out here and say it was bad. I think that we've definitely had some great picks, and that Arrival, I think, I think it belongs on a on the list um, of of our favorite movies, of our movies that we think are great. Um, even though it didn't win, you know, mm-hmm. it's unfair to just put the thing up there. Obviously, the thing belongs on that list anyway. Yeah just because we already all all know that for how long it's been around, I feel like it's unfair to Arrival because people might, people who listen to this might not go watch it because it didn't win. And you shouldn't do that. So I'm going to reiterate that. Go watch Arrival. It's on Hulu. You have Hulu. Just go watch it.
0: Yeah. And in general, if we ever announce the movies ahead of time, and I think pretty sure we've done that in the last three episodes and we will continue to do that. Uh, just go watch them. We will tell you how to watch them for free, and if you have to pay exactly. for them, you can pay for them. If you're like Kevin, you can just find a way to <laughs> illegally stream it, because that's what Kevin right? does. Yeah, he's a lawbreaker. He's a pirate.
2: Sometimes, but I did, like I said earlier, just get film struck. So I'm gonna try, and I, I really want to I pay have for
0: them. HBO. Yeah. I have stars. There you go. I have Shutter. Oh yeah. I have Cinemax. I have uh, <laughs> Hulu, <laughs> Premium, Netflix um voodoo there you go man you and i have amazon thing. prime for anything that doesn't come up right the one time the one time we have watched for this podcast now 21 films yeah one film was not available to stream legally and that was wild Zero. <laughs> wild Zero. Wild do because I knew it. you know what it is nobody wanted it on their fucking yeah, it's just,
2: it's just <laughs> it's really hard to find a movie it did not translate you over loved here. it it's not for me you can probably get a nice Japanese DVD of it, but yeah, yep. I think that's a good segue, though. So I've we already have two movies uh, picked for next week because by now I know it's been twenty-four hours since I put up the poll. So next week, you guys have picked what we do in the shadows for our eighth oh, episode. did they? Vampire. You oh, it's
0: fun. I love that movie.
2: And I picked for Russell a movie called Near Dark.
0: hmm
2: As at this point, you do not have a movie for me, do you?
0: Um, I have a few ideas, That's I just need to run by you, because yeah. uh, we've discussed that you guys at home no longer have the chains, I don't either, it's Kevin's niche, but I want to every week try to find a movie he hasn't seen, it's just getting harder because he's seen fucking everything, <laughs> uh, but the thing is I get to like go after newer movies, because right. you like, again are a film buff for old films. Pretty much that's the terrible way of saying a classic. Folks. No, that's yeah, that's um, pretty much right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will figure out something yeah. in the next 24 hours oh, so. to add to that list, and we'll put up those movies for you to hell yeah.
2: So, again, join the group My Movies Better on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, on podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe, rate us, please. We yeah. need ratings. Uh,
0: the biggest thing you could do is rate, review, subscribe. Second biggest thing you do is share those podcasts or share any of our social media. Uh, next to that would be follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, all at My Movies Better. You can email us with stories you want us to read, uh, questions you want to ask if you don't feel like joining our group, and that's uh, My Movies Better at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail. Uh, we usually just listen, we don't post much, uh, but it is 323 My Movie. Uh, if it's awesome enough, we'll definitely play it on the air on here for you. Um, and uh, we'll eventually have a Patreon. We do want your help at some point. We have uh, pretty decent mics. I think they sound awesome. Yeah. Sometimes they, I, I just listen to another podcast and I go, oh man, but those people have like crazy yeah, high-tech studios. Tech studios. Yeah. Uh, but we could build upon your help if we get a Patreon going. Uh, other than that, if you're in the group, I did post a PayPal link if you ever feel like you need to get it off your you just need i I need to help in some way (laughs) that's like financial then go ahead have a paypal it's 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 for emergencies but if you want to use it feel free exactly um outside of that yeah the best thing you can do is listen and 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 interact that's really it's fun (laughs)
2: and watch the skies oh because the truth is out there
0: yeah there's definitely aliens oh yeah we didn't oh, even yeah. get into the discussion of actual what we feel about aliens. Oh. I'll tell you right now, they're out there.
2: Oh, hell yeah. I mean, they found bacteria in space, so right there, you know there's organic there's, life.
0: There's literally aliens, all right? Oh, yeah. They're, we've already established and found literal mm-hmm. aliens. It's just a matter of intelligent life. Right. I believe that is for sure out there somewhere. It's just Same the odds of them here. not being... It's, we just probably will... We could go to the end of time and never interact. Most but, likely. Yep. You know? Well, because
2: you can only imagine they can only go as far as we can
0: yeah and, so. and that could probably never change you know what right. I mean and whatever whatever they're there though
2: yeah prove me wrong <laughs> so that's it man episode 7 is
0: wrapped episode 2 of hell week
2: hell episode yeah episode 7 in general that was aliens so you guys have yourselves a great week and do join us next week where we'll be talking about vampires and all of their sexy
0: blood sucking shenanigans I suppose yep Alright. Also, I just decided the movie is Let Me In, it's the remake. It's the okay. one that's in America, the American version. With uh, Chloe in it. <laughs> oh, she's shit. just in so many good things. Yeah. I mentioned it earlier right. in the podcast, and that's it. So
2: thank you. So wait, let me just reiterate. If you guys are listening, next week we'll be listening to we'll be watching Let Me In.
0: Not let the right one in. Not let, let me the in right the American one. version. Right.
2: Near dark. Mm-hmm. And you guys pick what we do in the shadows. Thank you. Thank you. For listening
1: adventure
0: <laughs> <End segment. laughs> frankly my dear i don't give it you can't handle the head. i
1: am your father just stand on it i guess long she can
0: i love the smell stuttle- mrs Hogwarts. <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger potion. Come with me if you want to live. See what happens, Lebowski. You see what happens? You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. Your name's Lebowski. Lebowski.
1: How do I look? Bring out today. Welcome to China Movie back.